You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. On today's episode, we will be talking about the Awoken lore, the Dreaming City, Marasov, Aldrin, the Bungie Weekly Update, and more. We also have a very special guest on the show, the Dark Angel 98. Shadow Price, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I mean, I got my Luna's Howl, finally. Uh, about a two-hour mission last night, finished up my whole uh, glory, got to 2100, ran with some super cool dudes who are really good at PvP, and I got it, and I'm super happy. I posted it on Twitter today and got some likes from some of the top Bungie devs and everything, and yeah, life is good. Sweet. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah. I'm not much for PvP myself, but good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Congratulations. You've been grinding for Luna's Hell for quite some time now, so it's really cool to see you finally get it. And hey, man, I told you so. Thank you. Yeah, it, it means a lot to me to get it because I, I love like the looks of the weapons from Destiny 1, and that reminds me of a Lord Hive Fixer. And I was a real good fan of that, and I'm just so happy to finally get it. A couple of shout-outs before we begin. I do want to thank My Name is Bife for creating some really awesome video content that served as research for this week's episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Also, as a reminder, you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting applications, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pretty much any place where you listen to podcasts, you can find us each and every week. Uh, we have new episodes available each and every Friday. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. Also, make sure to follow us at The Destiny Show on Twitter for all the latest updates. Let's introduce our special guest on the show, The Dark Angel 98. She is an avid Destiny player. She is a streamer and clan founder for Clan Regis Umbra. She's also a lore buff, Dreaming City expert, and Raid Sherpa. And we did find out something else about her uh, in the last couple days. She's also a really big sci-fi fan, and she's been playing uh, Halo since the very beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but she also has a really cool job. Yeah, I work for NASA. You don't hear that every day. Yeah. The NASA? <laughs> yes, the NASA. The NASA. That's where I work. I do I'm a I'm a theoretical astrophysicist there. And what I do is I model exoplanets, which are planets orbiting other stars, and look at their climate and habitability. That's mainly what I do. Like right now I'm working on the formation of ice along 
the equator of some planets if it has a really large tilt. So I'm going to do some science jargon a little, little tiny bit here. Okay, so with my research, what I do is I look at the obliquity, which is the tilt of the planet, and Earth has an obliquity of about 23.5 degrees. Mm -hmm. That gives us our seasons. The more tilt, the higher your tilt, the more extreme your seasons. So what I look at is planets that are tilted all the way on their side. Basically take Earth, put it on its side, and then I watch what happens. Crazy stuff happens. Catastrophic stuff happens, probably. Yeah. <laughs> With most cases, the ice from the equator cascades into an ice albedo feedback loop. And basically what that is is ice is more reflective than water. Yeah. So that reflects the heat away from the surface, making the planet colder which means more ice, which means the planet gets colder, which yep. means more ice. Until the whole planet's covered in ice and it looks like a snowball. <laughs> yeah, I can get behind the climate part because uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, I have a degree in meteorology. So Ooh, sweet, sweet, yeah. I know what you're talking about when you talk about You know about what I'm talking about, finally. Most yeah, of the people so. who I explain it to, their eyes kind of glaze over and they're like, what? And I'm just like, <laughs> fine, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like say no, that's, that's super cool. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And also, you've done scientific research, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've published two papers. I'm working on two other papers right now. One of this, I like, with all of those papers I've already published, those are, um, I'm a co-author, which means I didn't really do all of the research. I just helped a little bit here and a little bit there, and, like, I helped. I wasn't, like, doing all of the research. I kind of just helped a little and that was with looking at, again, climates of exoplanets with changing their orbit dynamics and whatnot and seeing how that affects their climate. Mm -hmm. And one of the papers I'm working on right now, one of them is just about the code that I helped develop to run all of this, which is that paper. I've looked at it. It's like 80 plus pages. Oh, wow. It's, it's not just me, though. It's not just me. It's the whole team. Right, right. They're phenomenal people they're so smart and very cool yeah then the other paper i'm working on is about my own personal research that i've kind of about the ice belts i call mm -hmm. them ice belts because instead of them being along the poles they're along the equator and kind of a belt so yeah so now i gotta nice. ask what do you like the most about working for nasa Ooh, i like um i like the people the people there they're all so nice and so like supportive of what I do, because I used to be majoring in astrophysics, that's how I got my job, but with me changing majors, they're like, just keep doing what you're doing. As long as you're happy, we're happy. And I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. They're so nice. I mean, another great thing is I work from home, so I can, like, work in my pajamas. I know what you mean. Sometimes I get to work from home, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, like, I'm not that far away from the lab. I'm literally, like, five ten minutes but yeah. working from home is just so much more convenient it's like i get to be comfy you get to be in a relaxed environment yeah that you know and yeah mm -hmm. it's cool the less you have in travel time the more you can play destiny so it's all the better exactly finally someone who understands how'd you land a gig at nasa like do you just Ooh. apply like no, on no, their okay, website okay. how does Here's... that work how does this work okay i'm gonna story time so my first quarter at University of Washington, that's where I'm attending, they had this class called Pre-Major in Astronomy. And how that class works is half the first half of the quarter, 
you learn how to do research, how to code, you read scholarly articles to get like an idea of what's going on in the field. And then at about the, a little bit, I'd say about the one third of the way into the quarter, a bunch of professors, graduate students come in and they kind of give a spiel to us about what they're doing. And then we get to pick one of the projects to work on. And the one that I picked was about, I was working with my uh, colleague and I guess mentor, Russell Dietrich, and he was, he works at VPL. Well, now he's actually in Switzerland doing his postdoc. And that's what you do after you get your PhD. You do this thing called a postdoc where you go to another university and you do research there for them. Yeah, so he's doing stuff on climate. He's a fantastic dude. Super cool. But yeah, so basically I did that for that quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, he was like, do you want to keep working? And I'm like, heck yeah. So I did it for credit for a quarter. And at the end of that quarter, I met with Russell and Rory, who was, he's like the faculty member at VPlant. He was the designer of all of the code. He like, VPL, VPlanet, the code, that, that's what it's called, VPlanet. That's his like child, basically, because <laughs> he's like the main guy who wrote all of it. So, so they all sat me down and they're like, we want you to continue working with us, but you can't do it for credit anymore. And I'm like, aww. And they're like, instead we're going to pay you. And I'm like, wait, what? You guys are offering me a job? And they're like, yes, we think you're capable enough and you're a good researcher and all this. And I'm like, oh my god. I've been working there for like over a year now. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, super fun. I love it. Is that like a dream job for you? I mean... Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty nice. I like it. I mean, I'm getting my degree in creative writing and with a minor in anthropology because my dream right now, I want to get into doing like narrative design for video games because the whole astrophysics major didn't really pan out as I had hoped, which is fine. You know, people change majors all the time. It's fine. But yeah, my dream job would honestly be to work at Bungie in their narrative department and work on their lore. Isn't it all our dream job to work at Pretty Bungie? much. I think that's pretty much everyone's dream job, to work at Bungie, work on Destiny. Well, I would. Yeah. I just honestly just want to, like, I just love, like, the story in, like, video games, like Destiny and Anthem. Anthem has a lot of, like, story like that as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know as much about, about Anthem, because, you know, it technically comes out tomorrow. Technically. But if you had, like, EA Access or whatever you could play it earlier but i did not but that's fine have you guys played the vip beta for oh yeah i did i did that was pretty fun i played with all my friends we did a lot of combos i was a colossus i was tank it was kind of funny i just think it's funny whenever i'm the tank person because i'm i'm only like you know five two i'm a pretty short short person so me being the big bulky tank is always hilarious Especially in my friends group, because they all know I'm, like, super short and pretty small. And they're all like, really? You're the tank? And I'm just like, guys, stop. <laughs> let me be happy. You know what? Don't feel bad. I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm, like, 5'4", so I feel your pain. I'm there. I'm there with you. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> is, like, really tall compared to me, and the amount of short jokes I get, they're just... I've heard them all. I've heard them all. They need to just... Yeah, I'm 6'5". I'm about as tall. I'm taller than Cosmo, so it's... Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my um, my boyfriend, he's like six three, and I'm just like, I have to wear heels all the time now, don't I? <laughs> yep. Okay, that's fine. It works. 
It's kind of now fun. you say mm-hmm. like story and video games. Uh, how do you feel about? Did you play Nintendo games at all, like Zelda uh, and everything? No, like that? I haven't. I'm. I grew up on an Xbox. Like the first game I ever played on Xbox was. Shoot, try to remember now. I know the first, like, Halo... The, I remember watching my dad play Halo when I was younger. He had it on his laptop, like, his old, old laptop, and I would sit and watch him play, and my mom would always get mad, because she'd be like, she doesn't need to be watching that kind of stuff, but... Like, it was the, interesting, I, right? It, it was, was very, interesting. I was just yeah. like, what is he doing? What are those things? Who are those? Why are you fighting them? What uh, what, what is the Flood? Why are they oh, like... Oh, God, uh, don't the Flood. The Flood <laughs> gave me nightmares as a child. I was just like, I don't want the scary zombie things to come eat me. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. I've been going through doing a legendary run-through of all of the Halo games in the Master Chief Collection. and Ugh. It's painful. I'm stuck on Halo 2. That's where I've been stuck for a bit. Because, like, when you're doing it co-op, which is what I've been doing, if you die, you get you restart the checkpoint. And it's really annoying. I didn't know this. And I'm like, well, this is annoying. But I wanted... I, I said I would go through all of them. And I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I would love to go back and play through the Master Chief Collection. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, that's what um my boyfriend and I were doing. Because we started doing it, and then we stopped because we just got to uh, to a, we got to Halo 2, and we're like, all right, we did it. We got to we beat Halo 1 on Legendary. It only took us like a million years because <laughs> we did it through just normally the first time. And then I'm like, yo, Legendary. And he's like, no, we're we're not doing this. And I'm like, yes, we are. And then he's like, all right, whatever, fine, fine. It's like, but I get to pick the skulls, and I'm like, ah, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I should turned, not. He turned them all on. Pretty yeah. much. Well, not all of them. Not all of them. At first, like we did, like the first three or four missions without a HUD. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, Dominic, honey, can I have my HUD back, please? And so instead, we like changed the skulls around a little bit, and. We then were doing it with, like, I called it 200% more explosions because the grunts, when they die, turned into plasma grenades. Plasma, all grenade explosions were amplified by, like, a million or something absurd amount. There was, like, lower gravity, so, like, things flew around like crazy when there were explosions. And when you punch things, they just throw grenades. It was just, like, grenades, grenades, grenades. It was terrifying, but hilarious because of the amount of explosions that were just going on it was yeah halo 3 was the one that i uh beat all the way through on legendary ah yeah it was fun for me it was halo reach and halo 5 halo Halo 4 and halo 5 halo reach halo reach halo reach is fun we also were doing that Oh, yeah, we took a break. That's why we took a break from Halo 2. We were doing Halo Reach because we wanted to, like... Because we got stuck on that first mission for quite some time. Yeah, I would say Halo Reach is probably my favorite Halo game because Halo Reach got me into Halo, and that's how I learned about the previous games, and I really loved it, and that's actually the game that got me into PvP also. Isn't that right, Shadow Price? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's... we've. We've had an awesome history with, with the Destiny franchise, and that leads me to ask, how did you get started playing Destiny? Ooh. 
how did I start getting playing Destiny? I had heard, I remember, because I had, like, watched all the trailers, and I was, like, really looking into Destiny, like, before it even came out. I played the beta when it came out, and I was hooked. I was already just like, give me this game. Give it to me now. I want to play it. I made a hunter. I made, I, I'm very self-centered person but i always make my first character in a game if you can like make it like customize it i always make it look like myself because i'm a narcissist just kidding but (laughs) i i made a a human hunter and then i made an awoken warlock i still have the hunter and the warlock to this day i deleted my titan i think about five times because i would i made i made i made an awoken and i was like eh, i don't want an awoken and then i made a human and i'm like "Mm, no I don't like I don't like her hair. Was and that then, an Xbox? Yeah, this is all on Xbox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, back in Destiny One, I deleted quite a few characters. It was a lot <laughs> more difficult to get your raid armor and to get the Galar horns, so you had to really grind. Yeah, definitely. I speaking of Galarhorn, I never got Galarhorn until Zer sold it. And I did the raids every week. There were some of my friends who had like twenty Galarhorns, and I'm just like. That was a whole year because he sold it right either right before the taking yeah, or right. He uh, he sold it at the like week two, of, of, the, of the taking king, right? Of the game. No, he's in the out like oh, yeah, the yeah, very yeah. beginning yeah, of the yeah, game. Absolutely. He sold yeah. it, and then he didn't sell it until like way one way way later. later. Yeah, it was one year later, I believe. It was yeah. either right before the taking king or right after. I think it was before. That's right. Yeah, it was before the taking king because they nerfed it. They nerfed it right when the Taken King. Like, yeah, they, they had, they, they, yeah, I got it then, and I was just like, and some people were like, oh, you didn't earn it, you had, you bought it from Zer, and I'm like, you earned it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's that's fine, you know. It's, it's no, whatever. you earned it. You earned it through yeah. your. You know what? You earned it through your patience and and perseverance and sticking with it. Because do you want patience do, and time? Yes, patience and time. Do you know how <laughs> difficult it was to get into a raid group? Without a Gallarhorn? I mean, yeah. I don't know how you got to the Taken King without that thing. Honestly. Yeah, let, me, I, let me ask you, did he have a one-way ticket? <laughs> was it a one-way ticket? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It was just like, it was it was pretty annoying because like, I mean, luckily I had a lot of friends who had Gallarhorn, so I would just be like, they'd be like, oh, we need one more. Let's let's, let's bring Dark Angel along. She's, she's cool. Or Hunger Akrona. That, that was baby Gallarhorn. Yeah, that's what I used. I used I used baby Galahorn. I used baby Galahorn. Yeah, I did too until yeah. I got, the, got it. Until I got it. Yeah, one of my friends, he like literally was like made a bet with someone, and he's like, if I lose, I'll dismantle my Galahorn. And they were like, no, you won't. And he's like, yes, I will. I'll do it. But the guy didn't know that he has like twenty Galahorn, so he doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I mean, before collections, if you dismantle yeah. it, land one, it's gone. Was screwed. Yeah, yeah, it was gone. Exactly. So now I gotta ask: Did you play through Destiny throughout the entire duration of the game, or did you take breaks in between? Mm, no, not really. I kind of just played it religiously, <laughs> I guess you could say. I wouldn't say. I mean, yeah, I played it pretty consistently. Played it with my group of friends, and then then my group of friends we formed Regis Umbra and then they like eventually left Destiny they got tired of it and I'm like this is fine I'm still here but then when Destiny 2 came out I got my friends came back I'm like about time you guys showed up <laughs> but yeah they came back and now 
now we're a clan of like 50 plus people. We have Discord. We're branching out to Warframe and Anthem. It's crazy. Very cool. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, we, we tried to take a break from Destiny when we switched from Xbox to PlayStation. I will ah. never forget it. We we went over to GameStop, picked up Borderlands, the Handsome Collection. Two days Ooh, later, yeah. I was back at GameStop buying Destiny <laughs> for PlayStation because we missed it. So it really lasted like two days, and we've been playing ever wow, since. Wow, two whole, two whole that's days. such a long break. Yeah, the, the plan was to take like a couple weeks. But yeah, it didn't pass. Didn't work. We, didn't work. Yeah. We knew we had to grind on PlayStation. We knew we wanted all that stuff. We wanted all the oh, stuff. Oh yeah, because with so yeah, I feel like cross save should be a thing. I like, agree. Cross play, I, I mean between Xbox and PlayStation, yes. Between PC, no, because PC has 60 FPS and keyboard and mouse is. Yeah, a it, lot it, unless you're Corn's case and he's got 144 FPS. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. But I yeah. do play in 144. But yeah, the um, I don't think that would be a really fair, especially in PvP. I don't think that would be really fair. No, I agree so, with you. Cross save is definitely like something I'm an advocate of. Because like, if you went from Xbox or PlayStation to PC, your guardian's a noob. They're gonna be like, "What's the darkness? What's taken? What's that thing?" And the ghost treats you like you're five. <laughs> and um, I mean, like, I knew some people who, like, they did the switch and they're just like, why is my ghost treating me dumb? I, I feel like there should have been, like, a veteran, like, click a box. Are you a veteran player? Click. <laughs> Dinklebot or Nolanbot? Ooh, I... Ooh, it's a tough one. I mean, I actually... Nolanbot has grown on me. I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is weird. But, yeah. like, don't Open get me wrong, Dinkle, Dinklebot, he tried, but he sounded... I love Dinklebot. I loved Dinklebot so much. Yeah, I thought I mean... I, his voice was robotic, but it was perfect for the ghost. It was perfect. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like Nolanbot. Nolanbot. Yeah. I, I mean, I've also met Nolan North a few times. He's a very nice dude. Very nice dude. That's really, really, really cool. Oh yeah, I, I go to Comic Con and PAX. Yeah, we we went to PAX so, East last year. We're ooh, going past East. We're going East again nice. this year. Get right Yeah, and hopefully we'll get a chance to go to Guardian Con this year as well. Ooh. So that would be really, really awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah, I'd love to go, but it's like on the other side of the country. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> Guardian Con in Florida? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm in uh, Seattle. So, uh, right, right next door to Bungie. That's oh, awesome. In, yeah, I am. I actually like right next door to Bungie. I can you're in the motherland. <laughs> I'm in the motherland. Yes. I can take like a bus or drive to Bungie and I can be there in like half an hour. Oh my 15. God. What are you doing out here? You should be going out there right now. Have you been go, to, bye. have you been to Bungie? Uh, no, I have not. One of my friends has, I want to go to Bungie. I want to, I want to kind of go there and take a picture and be like, look guys. But I'll do it some other time when I'm not super busy with school and work and streaming. It's a very full schedule. Ay ay ay. I can only imagine. Oh yeah. Awesome. So, what games did you play before you started playing Destiny? Ooh. Halo Reach. Played a lot of Halo. 
Same. I like Halo. I'm trying to think of any other games. I'm like, honestly, I don't remember video games before Destiny. This is bad. <laughs> I have a serious problem. <laughs> oh yeah, I played um yeah Halo Reach. I played a uh, Portal and Portal Two with my little brother a lot. That was annoying because he'd be like, "No, we gotta do this," and I'm like, "No, Sawyer, I'm sorry." You're wrong. You don't do this. Clearly, you do this, and then we both would be wrong. <laughs> it's a puzzle game. It's very, it's, I like it, but I don't know. It's not for everyone. What game was that? Portal. Uh, Portal. Oh, Portal. Oh yeah, yeah. I beat Portal. Yeah. Portal was fun. Yeah, Portal and Portal Two. Me and my brother would play that all the time. We were kind of funny. It was always really funny. We would do like really stupid stuff, and we do like all of the like rock paper scissors and. All the silly emotes you could do, and it was fun. He's he's more into like puzzle kind of games, and I'm more into first-person shooters. Oh yeah, the Lara Croft video games. I played those too. Have you played the new uh, Shadow of Tomb Raider? Ooh, I'm actually like almost done with it. I think. Pretty cool. I think. I'm not sure. I've I played it, and I took a break because I guess I got it for Christmas along with um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and that is phenomenal like wow like the graphics are so pretty like when you're on your boat and you're just cruising the it's just like wow i'm looking forward to playing that game i got that on pc so oh yeah i'll have to check it out soon yeah definitely so yeah i'm i play a variety of different games most of them are like first person shooters are like my my favorite Probably ever, because I grew up playing Halo. Have you ever played Call of Duty series? Oh, no. Sadly, yeah. I did not. I didn't really play Call of Duty. A lot of my friends are like, what? And I'm just like, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Titanfall. I also love Titanfall. Titanfall was great. I heard Titanfall 2 story is great. It's phenomenal because there's a... Do you want me to spoil it? Um, Only if you want to. I mean, okay. There's a part where you get this device that allows you to travel in time, and you're going through this, like, abandoned building, and you pop in and out of, like, real time, and then a few years ago when it was all clean, and there's soldiers there, and you can pop in and out and be like, I'm here, and then kill one guy, and, the, and then pop back to regular time, run somewhere else, pop back into the past, and then the guy will be like, wait, where did he go? And it was so crazy like go like doing that popping in and like back and and in, in regular time just doing that while killing guys and parkouring and so everything it was travel like, in, the game? In, 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 in like the later missions yeah okay it's cool crazy i i thought this because going from titanfall one where there wasn't really a story to titanfall two where it's there's a story and a campaign and it was really good man i like mm -hmm. i love titanfall I'm not a big fan of Apex Legends, though. I've tried it once, one whole time. I wasn't very good at it. I played with my friend, or my friend and cousin, Archer G-Man. He's also, yeah, he's also in my clan. He's one of the uh, admins. But anyways, yeah, we played it as a group, me and my, me, him, and Glowstick. We all played as a group, and we all did really, really bad, and we're just like, yeah, this game isn't really for us. Let's, let's stick with Destiny. So we went, then we went back to Destiny and did Strikes and Nightfalls and 
all that fun stuff. Very cool. And the other night, you were actually playing Warframe, weren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been getting into Warframe. Very yeah, cool. Warframe is pretty fun. I'm liking Octavia. I can, like, literally make music and destroy my enemies with the power of my, like, sweet, sweet, awesome music. And there's actually, like, you can actually like, custom, like, make your own music that it plays. And I found Destiny music, so that's what I'm rocking. While you're playing Warframe? While I'm playing Warframe, like, my, the, it's called the, I forgot what it's called, um, but, like, the musical instrument that you play to, like, do damage to guys, you can set the music to be whatever you want. Like, you have to, like, actually like, put it in-game, like, the notes and stuff, so it's kind of tedious. But I do that, and I put the, um, the Destiny theme. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny, because, like, for some very strange reason, Warframe and Anthem and Destiny, their communities, they all hate each other. I don't understand why. They're like, they're all different games. Why can't we all just, why can't we all be friends, guys? It yeah, doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's like well, the console wars, but like for looter, looting shooter type games. I get it. Warframe was before Destiny, but you know, it's... Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but Borderlands was before both of them, so... Exactly! Know. So it's just like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I tried Warframe a couple times. I tried it on my Nintendo Switch, and it's Oh, I it's forgot okay. that it's on Switch. Yeah, it's I, on I Switch. Switch, yeah. It actually plays pretty decent on Switch, too, believe it or not. Speaking of the Switch, quick shout-out to Reggie Filzame, who retired as president of Nintendo of America today, so... uh it's a big, big day in video games. Yeah, oh, I was wow, gonna mention yeah. that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Reggie was president for fifteen years almost. So, yeah. Yes, much, oh, much wow. respect to him, and, and yeah. best of luck. Best of luck mm -hmm. in in your future, and uh, yeah, thank you for everything you've done for us as gamers. And I'm a really huge Nintendo fan, so it, it I've been following Reggie and Nintendo for a really long time since I was little. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's cool. that's cool. I grew up a Nintendo gamer, so definitely he's uh, he will be missed. Indeed. So I have to ask. All right. What aspects of the Destiny lore do you like the most, and why? Ooh, I my favorite is probably the Book of Sorrows. Those were my favorite thing to read like i have the physical grimoire volume one because volume two is coming out soon and the the pictures in that are phenomenal it's because it's so interesting because you get like all this backstory to the hive and the reason they're like the reason they are the way they are the reason they have the worms the reason there's it's just it adds a lot of um insight and i almost feel kind of bad for oryx a little bit because like they were kind of manipulated a little bit a little yeah they were manipulated by the worms because the worms are like we can give you immortality and power and then oryx is like yeah sounds great and then at the end of it he's just like was this worth it yeah yeah and then also with some of the lore i think it was the lore that we get this week 
from Truth to Power. You get to learn. You learn a little bit about Savathun's plan and what she's doing. I'm very intrigued. The lore that you got this week actually? for Truth to Power. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we're gonna talk all about that. We're actually gonna be doing an entire segment about that at the very end. Truth to Power. Yes. So I'm yes, very Truth excited to, to talk about that. That's gonna be yes. really exciting. This is why I'm so excited about doing this episode because, in my opinion, the Dreaming City lore is the most fascinating. Learning about the Awoken and their history and definitely, how they came yeah. About, especially Mara Saab, like where, where, where'd she go? Damn, like I want to know. She's definitely. probably the most powerful, one of the most powerful figures in all of Destiny. Is Mara probably Saab. yes, definitely. Hey man, Mara Saab bows down to no one, right? Literally, yeah. That's what that was. That was her parting words to us: "Bow to no one." And I'm just like, "Okay, I'll take your advice." She, yep. She. That's her. That's her catchphrase. That's, that's her, her catchphrase. Uh, yeah. She's yeah. just like, "Bow yeah. to no one." And I'm like, "Okay, okay." Yeah, and that grimoire anthology was so good. Literally, I picked it up. I started reading it. It took me less than 24 hours. I read through the entire book. It was so fascinating, and the art inside is so cool. And it's very eye-opening to really experience the story of how all of these characters came about and yeah, learning definitely. more about them. It was such an awesome, awesome read. Highly recommend it if you have not read it already. And uh, Volume 2 is going to be coming out probably in the next couple months, so I'm mm -hmm. definitely going to pick that up. I wonder what the... Um contents are going to be about because this one was called dark mirror and we learned about the hive we learned about dredging yore and last word and the shadows of yore so I, I hope crossing my fingers that this next grimoire book is about the awoken we all have the dreaming city book the marasena book forsaken prince all of these lore books that are already in game that tell a complete story what about some really... of the battles like Twilight Gap and Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like that, they you know? could they also like there's so many things they could talk about. Like that's why I'm really excited that they're making more than just one volume. Yeah, it is. Like when they said volume true. 1, I'm like, so there's going to be a volume 2 and 3 <clears throat> and all the way to like infinity because I right. love all of it. <laughs> like they could, and... they could they could do so much. They could do like um like you were saying, like the Battle of Twilight Gap, Battle of Six Fronts, the Great Disaster. They could just do a whole book on the City Age, and then a whole nother one on the Awoken, and then a whole nother one on Exos and Clovis Bray. The Golden and Age, the Collapse. And the Golden Age. Yeah, they, they could do so much. That's what's so crazy. That's what I love about the Destiny universe and the lore in general, is there's so much. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, I, I think the story in Destiny is probably the most fascinating of any game that I've ever played. I will come out and say that. Nice. What yeah, if I've... they did a prequel? Like, Ooh. prequel game? Like, in Ooh, the that would be interesting. I would then, love it. Yeah, they could do, like, little, like, short, like, each ep like, an episode would be about the Twilight Gap, an episode would be about the Great Disaster. I mean, that would be interesting and all, but I kind of like the legend kind of feeling that you get from reading about it versus like oh playing a game and it's 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 a different feeling from like reading the lore and like hearing the whispers about the great disaster and not really like just hearing about it versus like seeing it like actually like 
playing it and seeing Crota just take his sword and just call the light out of out of guardians and just massacre people. It's, that would be terrifying, honestly. Great disaster. That mm-hmm. that I want to see that. Didn't Oryx carve like uh, something out in the at like in the atmosphere or something and brought Vex into the into the world? It wasn't. Like, it, it wasn't Oryx who did that. It was that was Crota. That was so, Crota. Okay. Yeah, it was in it was in Oryx's ascendant realm. Right. And um, or uh, Crota's older sisters or not older sisters, Ear. Alok and Ear Hanuk, I think were her name were their names. Yeah. They were teaching him how to create the world. Orc was like, Hold on, I'll be right back. Learn from your sisters, you know, just whatever. I'll, I'll be right back. He leads and goes communes with the deep and Savathun and Crota and Oryx's I keep saying Oryx's sisters, I mean Crota's sisters kind of were messing around and he was like, Oh, I'm gonna be cool and cut make my own throne world and he cuts uh hold in Oryx's throne and the the Vex come out and they're like what is this place? We must understand everything. And that's where Kiora comes from. Kiora was created to understand Oryx's throne world, which is why Kiora is so dangerous. That's what's so interesting is just so many like connections that are in this game, in this war. I could like talk about the Book of Sorrows for a good like 10 hours. Not, Not actually 10 hours, but a lot. Because in the Grimoire book, the actual physical book, they have a picture of Kiora in there. Oh, it wow. looks so much like Panoptes. I'm not even like it's like almost like an archaic version of Panoptes. Like Panoptes is the more refined, pristine version, while Kiora was more like rustic, I guess. And that just got me thinking because right before Kiora got taken, um, it sent all of its available data to the Vex Collective. It's like, here's everything I could gather. Take it. I, I'm out. I'm, I can't. I'm going to be taken. You guys need this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Panoptes looks like Cura has similar, like the arm motions that um, Panoptes does is almost identical to Oryx. Wow. It's just, it's very fascinating because Cura was built to mimic Oryx because Oryx was the most powerful thing in I mean, obviously, it's his throne world. Of course, he's going to be the most powerfulest thing. But then all of that info was passed to Panoptes, who then, again, mimics Oryx, because Oryx is like... Oryx left a scar on the Vex. Like, what when they came up against him, they couldn't beat him. Yeah. And that was, like, the only... Th- like, they cannot fight paracausal things, which is us, the Hive, and Taken. Which is why, in the Infinite Forest, you'll never see Taken. Because they can't simulate it. Wow, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can simulate... Hive are, like, low levels of paracausality, but, like, the big ones, like Crota, and, like, I guess Hive God-esque kind of level of Hive, those ones they can't simulate, they're paracausal. Like, Kyora tried to simulate Oryx, and it couldn't. It literally just couldn't comprehend Oryx at all. It's like, does not compute when it looked at Oryx, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Super fast. And like I said, I could talk about Book of Sorrows all day. <laughs> now, 
I do have to ask, how did you get started as a raid Sherpa, and how did you um, get started with founding your with clan? clan? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, I mainly started doing the raid Sherpa, or Sherpa-ing raids in D2. I didn't really do that in D1 very much, because I was like, because back in D1, I was like, more quiet, I was kind of antisocial, but now that I'm in college, and I'm in a I'm an adult now. Woo! But <laughs> I've kind of like come out of my shell, so to speak. And I've had this clan since November of D1, 2014. Wow. So right, wow. When, right when it came out is when I made the clan for all my friends. None of my friends joined because they already were in other clans. And I'm too stubborn to just leave my clan. I'm like, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll be in this clan of one. <laughs> and then D two and then yeah, and then D two was like clans are gonna be more important and I'm like Okay. So then I got all my friends all my friends who came back to Destiny. So like my friend then significant other, Dominic, he joined. I met some great people through LFG, like Glow Stick. That's a funny story with Glow Stick. So how we met him is we were all we were doing the Leviathan, right? Just doing it to get our triumphs or not triumphs, because triumphs didn't exist, but uh the challenges, that's what we were doing. The raid challenges, we were doing the callous one. And we just kept failing and failing and failing. Like someone would shoot the wrong thing in Void or someone would die in Throne or little things here and there. Some people left, but Glowstick, he stayed. He stayed. Mind you, this wasn't his gamer tag at the time. His gamer tag at the time was Hatsune Miku and then a bunch of numbers. I couldn't pronounce that for the life of me. I was like, Hatsuna, ha, Hakuna, ha, what? Hakuna Matata? Hakuna Matata? And he was like, no, Hatsune Miku. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I just could not pronounce it. It was awful. So embarrassing. But his armor, he was a hunter. And he was wearing, like, I'm talking, like, callus, elite, whatever the really, really bright shader is for callus. He was wearing that. And he was a hunter. It was obnoxiously bright, like blinding. And he said, look, and he was dancing in the dark. And he's like, look, guys, I'm a glow stick. And the name stuck. I called him. All right. I'm like, all right, I, I cannot pronounce your gamer tag for the life of me. So I'm going to call you glow stick. And he's like, all right, that's cool. So we did it. We got the we got the um, the challenge done. We were all dancing in the tower. And on a whim, I was like, you know what? This Hatsune Miku guy, he's pretty cool. So I invited him to the clan, and he joined, and we're like, glow stick, glow stick, glow stick, and we were all dancing like a bunch of crazy people in the tower, and then for his birthday, I gave him a $10 gift card so he can really become the glow stick, and he's been the glow stick ever since, so we have like we have all these like really fun memories as a clan, and we're going to try and get um, penum the Penumbra raid when that comes out. We're going to try and get... Um, not day. I mean, we're gonna try for day one, but I don't know. I don't know if we're. I mean, we're good. I don't know if we're that good. But we're definitely gonna try and get the jackets because Regis Umbra is Latin for Royal Shadows, and Royal Shadows Callus, and the Penumbra, the Penumbra expansion is going to be about Callus. We see. We think it's kind of fitting that we get the rate jacket for Penumbra. Yeah. Someday. I, I just hope they make it interesting because 
I mean, I know some people like that raid, and I think you said that you liked the Leviathan. Um, yeah. I'm not a big, huge fan of it. For some, I, I didn't like that there wasn't hardly any bosses. It was basically. Yeah. It was a lot of more. It was more puzzles, I guess. Yeah. And. I mean. Yeah. The environment just was too samey. It felt like a lot of it. And it's just. Well, yeah, that that's the point. That's the point of Cali. He's he's very showy. He's like looking. Yeah. Stuff. I'm so cool. He's very pompous, and I just hope they make it interesting. I hope they put some new elements in there that um, I, I think they so I think they will though. I think they will. They they probably will. It I definitely because Callus's story is far from done. He because he went to the edge of the universe and stared into the darkness or the void, and the void stared back. That's one of the lines on I think the sword. Yeah, the sword is called it stared back. But oh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, he he saw something and it scared him. And so he's trying to get a group, I guess, together to like kind of. Is that why we're buddies? That's why. That's we're... why we're buddies. Yeah. That's he why loves we're us. We're like we're BFFs. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's. Yeah, because by the time if you do, because doing a the whole Leviathan raid that was a test, to see if we were worthy. If we were good enough for Callus, and by the end of it, that's why when you kill him, spoiler alert, it's a robot. It's not the real Callus. And there's like thousands there's of them. Many of and there's many of them. Thousands, too. There's thousands of them there because he just he's testing us. And then when you beat um, Eater of Worlds, he, at the end you're teleported back in that same spot, and there's less robots, which means we've killed him over and over I, I liked that little like showing that there was a passage of time and that, that wow yeah there's a there's a quite a few missing actually and then when we do um Spire Spire stars. stars there's another callous robot there that's actually fighting Valkaur and that was that was insane right yeah yeah Very I, cool. I think I think the Leviathan raid was well designed. I, I will have to agree with Shadow that it didn't have as many boss fights as I would have liked. Uh, oh, yeah, but I, yeah. I but I do that. think the environment looks very cool. It's really cool being able to go into the underbelly and exploring mm, yeah. that whole environment. I mean, it's so massive and there's so much going on uh, down yeah. there. I really hope in the next expansion, or, well, not the next expansion, the expansion after next, they flush out more of the storyline behind it because I think there's a lot of potential there. Definitely, yeah. My, my dream, my like bungee, please make the Leviathan into a patrol area. That would be for Penumbra. Like I know that's like pretty ambitious, but I think that would be pretty amazing. Instead because... of a dark zone, like um, you know, uh, what's that game, Division? You can make it yeah. the darkness zone. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, I think that would be really cool, making um, the Leviathan a patrol zone. And then similarly with how you have the uh, the Fallen in the Tangled Shore being, or not, or Spiders Fallen being your allies, you would have like Callus's elite, or not elites, Callus's legionaries being your buddies there. Because the Red Legion still sort of exists. They, in Scourge of the Past, they were the ones trying to take over the Leviathan. That's the whole premise of the raid, is Valkor and the rest of the Red Legion are coming 
So the Leviathan to take it over to use it to become awesome again. I don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the whole premise. So Red Legion could still be invading there. I mean, whatever happens in Penumbra is gonna happen. So I feel like there could be. We are definitely going back to the Leviathan. I hope. I th- I'm pretty sure they confirmed that in Penumbra we are going to the Leviathan. Okay, that's good. Phew. So I think from oh, yeah. the few still images that we saw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. I remember. Yeah, from the we saw the, the sweep- Was it the sweeper bot that we saw? Sweeper yeah, bot. we see the sweeper bot, which is Benedict, which is. I actually have a Funko Pop of Benedict and Callus chilling on my desk right now. It's kind of funny. You know some funny? I have all of them on my desk right I have, now. I have all of them, too. I just I, can't, I can only fit so many on my desk. Oh, I, I have... stacked them. I made oh, you sure. stacked them? Oh, they're oh, stacked. Smart. Yeah. You're so smart. But yeah, I have, I have Zer and I have the Crota one. was such a pain in the butt to get. It was a Target exclusive. And Target exclusives, they're, like, the worst to get. They just are, like, the worst. But yeah, I have the Crota one, I have Oryx, I have Xur, I have... I even have the Golden Osiris, not the regular one, the Golden one, because I'm fancy. We we got that one from the Bungie store, yep. Yeah, Bungie store, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, the Target exclusive one, I had to go to eBay to get it, but I I still got mine. Still got it. Yeah. yeah, good times. So, do you have a favorite raid in Destiny? I mean, we've oh. had so many raids by now. I know. That's a good question. I mean, hmm. Favorite lore-wise, I think Crota and Oryx because of the impact they've had, like in the in the Destiny universe as a whole. Like we're still feeling feeling like the ripple effects in a sense because because we killed Oryx. Or, sorry, because we killed Crota, we killed we Oryx came to the system, and then we killed him, and then because Oryx died, Savathun took up power, and all of this insanity is now happening. She's gonna be saying hi pretty soon. Oh yeah. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say she's gonna come and say hi because she's much she's much more careful than Oryx. Oryx was angry and blind. And he was driven blind by, I mean, even though, or, yeah, because killing Cro- Crota was a huge chunk of his, um, his power because of like, they have like the pyramid scheme of like the thralls get, get some to feed their worm and then give the extra to tribute, the accolade, the tribute. I couldn't think of the word. Thank you. Tribute. Yeah. Crota gave a significant chunk of Oryx's tribute. Right. Like, significant. So, he was pretty upset. And in the Book of Sorrows, at the end, if his children die, then that's a reflection of his leadership. He's being a bad king, a bad father. So that's why he was really upset. Now, Sabathun, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't she known for her cunning? Yes. Right. She's very cunning. Oryx was known for his curiosity. Savathun is cunning, and Zivuarath is war, bloodshed, death. Yeah, Savathun's cunning. If we, and if, we, if, we if we face Zivuarath, 
we're gonna die. She's like Thanos, basically. Like, she can literally throw moons at people. That's what she did. She just threw moons at people. It's like, oh my god. Wow. Like, if she threw a moon at the last city, gone. Goodbye. All of humanity. Dead. It's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that when when we do finally go up against Sabathun, it's gonna take some time to get to her. We're gonna have to fight yes. through a lot of her generals. Generals. And yes, elites. her high coven is what she calls yeah. her. Um, like Oryx had his court, she has her high coven of wizards and hive wizards and whatnot. Like, she scares me, honestly. Like, Oryx? I mean, Oryx, Oryx is scary. We didn't really, like, know he was coming. No, but we know about Savathun, and from the Truth to Power lore, we know enough about... Well, I've, I've read all of it already, because it was data mined, and I'm always hungry for lore. Yeah, we are so dead. We are so... I mean, it's definitely explained in this week's what her plan is, and we are so dead. We are... We are... We're, we're, well, we're she's got us... A- Running circles around the Dreaming City like all the time. Yeah. Right now because of yeah, that pretty curse, much. You know. Yeah, but so. definitely when we talk about that, that's. Oh man, we are so dead. We're, we're going to dive into that. I've talked to my deadmates about it, and I'm like, guys, we're gonna lose. Like, what if we lose? That's that's the scary thing. Like, we can't afford to lose. Not with so much on the line. Is Sabathun the pyramid ships, or is that something? No. Okay. No, well, it, it's up to the debate. No one really knows what the pyramid ships are. The true darkness. Uh, I'm thinking, so you know how the Traveler is an agent of the light? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking the Triangle spaceships are dark. That for the darkness. So they are the, the true tra- darkness, probably. I'm thinking I'm thinking they are, because for that to be Savathun, that wouldn't really make a lot of sense, because it was sitting idle. And then when the traveler shockwave went over it, that's when it woke up. And with hive, how their worm works, you have to constantly be killing, or else your worm will eat you alive. That's how it works. That's why they have to keep killing everything and fighting. Maybe, maybe the maybe the pyramid ships is Zivu Arath then, because like if we're all dead, if we're all gonna die, then that's probably what's gonna kill us. <laughs> probably, maybe. I don't know. Like that's the thing. I'm I'm very my assumption or theory hypothesis is that it's the and eight those are the the true darkness like yeah i, mean, I agree the hive agree. they are they worship the worms which are a part of the dark well not the worms aren't a part of the darkness the worms use darkness to be paracausal and warp reality in that kind of way yeah so I think I think we're going to meet the true I wouldn't say darkness, but the closest thing to the darkness that we can actually meet. Because the Drifter did actually, after he was rezzed, he went to a planet where there were these creatures that naturally made darkness zones. So there's an actual lore reason behind the darkness zones. Wow. And these creatures they like naturally suppress their light like that's terrifying yeah that's like pandora's box right there <laughs> yeah and if that's like if those kind of creatures exist like and they were being observed like these creatures that they found they were like in containment 
things, and they had gotten out and had infested the entire planet. So, wow. My my thought is maybe those were from the pyramid ships or something, and they. I'm thinking those creatures that the Drifter found, and the pyramid ships might be related. And that might be Destiny Three, probably. <laughs> maybe, probably. I'm thinking those triangle spaceships probably going to be the beginning of D3. Triangle spaceships are like, yo, we're back. And the Traveler's like, well, this is a problem. Yeah. Because the triangle spaceships were there. That's what caused the collapse is the triangle spaceships. They were and there. And the Hive believe in simple shapes. Like, they're yeah, like the sword triangles. logic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sword, sword logic. Yep. Okay. If you, if you are killed, if you... The more things you kill, the stronger you get. I mean, that's not only their religion, that's literally how their worms work. The more you kill, the stronger you get. It's also kind of ironic, I wouldn't say ironically, but it's kind of funny how that mirrors us, the Guardians, in a sense. You know, we kill things, we get XP, we get yeah. strong, we get better weapons. I just think that's kind of a funny thing, how the Hive are so similar to us. In, a, in that sort of sense. It's an interesting way to look at it. And I think Marasov even uh, mentioned some something in a most recent visit to the Dreaming City where she talked about the, the difference between light and darkness mm-hmm. is uh, quite thin. So, yeah, she said, the, the, she said the difference between light and dark is... Yeah. Very cool. And we're going to dive into it in a lot more details later on in the show, but I do want to move on and talk a little bit about the Bungie Weekly Update, or the TWAB, as some may call it. We did get a weekly update uh, very recently, actually, just a couple hours ago, not even, and they talked about a number of things. We're going to quickly go through all of these things, and then we're going to give our impressions of this week's uh, weekly update in the form of... What is it, Shadow? Bungie Tuna Rolls. Oh, yeah. Because we are sushi fans, and we love sushi, <laughs> and we love spicy tuna. So we're going to go over uh, some of these things next up, and then we're going to give our impressions before we move on to the big topic of the night, the Dreaming City. So let's first start by uh, talking about the Scourge of the Past Raid Along. That's going to be coming February 26th, but... Uh, between 10 and 12 Pacific Standard Time, and I believe that's going to be taking place on twitch.tv forward slash Bungie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, these are really interesting things they do because uh, they get the developers on there and they talk about their design philosophies and things of that nature. I, I, I like them. I definitely try to tune in when they have them. Yeah, it's always cool to get an idea of what the developers are thinking when they create endgame destinations like the last wish raid scourge of the past raid it's always fun to really get their commentary on how they built these environments and what their thought process was in creating the boss encounters so i'm really looking forward to it on february 26th for sure um also we have some gambit changes that are coming with the next season of destiny which is going to be season of the drifter 
A number of things were mentioned in the weekly update. First up, they talked about third round of the Gambit match will now have a modified version of the round. It's going to be a quicker encounter. It's called the Primeval Rush Sudden Death. And it's intended to speed up the gameplay for us. And in my opinion, this was the right move for them to do. Definitely. Yeah, because some of those matches can drag out like super long when it gets to the third round. Yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, complaints from the Destiny community was that Gambit matches were far too long for the rewards that you were getting for them. So that discouraged a lot of people from playing, especially if they weren't playing with a full squad. Because in that, that would usually mean you're going to go into the third round and the match would end up being anywhere between 20 to 25 minutes, almost a half hour. And oh, wow. it's not the best use of our time to play through, for example, Gambit, when you can play other activities that are only 8 to 10 minutes and you get the same level of rewards. So I think that was a really good one. Um, also, they had increased the number of invader spawn locations... Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? I think that's good. Uh, I think that's a really good change because it was getting to the point when, like, some people would invade that they would memorize the spawn locations of the invader. They'd just be like, not there, not there. Okay, he's there. Patil, dead. Yeah. And just having so much information when you are the invader, you're able to see where everybody is, basically. So yeah, I think I think definitely increasing the number of invader spawn locations is, is a step in the right direction. So I'm very happy about that. I'm looking yeah. forward to Gambit next season, I think. Yeah, my friend Glowstick is messaging me because he just read the TWAB and he's like, OMG, oh my god. Because he was the first person in our clan to get the Judgeon title. He played um, Gambit nice. religiously. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm working at that one. I got to do stuff on my warlock to... yeah light versus light is uh, the hardest one it is i need one more i need one more <gasps> speaking of <laughs> light versus light they're actually making a change and it's going to be a lot easier to get that done because you can kill any guardian it no longer has to be the invader and they're super oh that's that's <laughs> that's a nice change so so you can I... invade and, and somebody pops their super and you use their super or and kill them yeah yeah, yeah. That'll be, a, that'll be a lot easier, though. That's good. It's going to make yeah. it much easier to do, yep. Definitely. They also implemented idle protection, which I'm I'm in favor of. It's It always sucks when you have that one player who just literally sits there and doesn't do anything. And, you know, it, it affects the quality of the game that you're playing. So anything that prevents people from being able to just get into the match and just sit there and not do anything, I think it's all for the greater good of the game um also we have some adjustments that are being made to blockers the small blocker will now have less health medium blockers will now have more health and large blockers will now have more health yeah they're also changing i think the small blockers they said are going to be taking goblins now yep and the hey that's cool that'll be annoying though if you put a, a small and then a bunch of mediums yeah. Because taking uh, 
goblins, they can like shield other pe- shield allies or their allies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is true. really annoying, especially if you get a bunch of small and they're all healing each other, and it's that could get annoying really fast. Yeah, I was getting tired of that phalanx's shield though, so it's nice that they're changing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I will agree on that. Now, also, we have Triple Infamy coming for the last week right before the new season begins. So it's going to start on February 26th, and it's going to be going on until the 5th of March. Nice. So if anyone hasn't gotten their Dredgen title, it's your chance to grind out and get it done the week before the new expansion hits. Yeah, because um, something... Sorry to interrupt, but um, the something interesting, if you're trying to go for Dredgen and you need like the Ghost Shell, you don't have to do three resets over one season. It's just three resets overall. Some people were like concerned about that in my clan. They're like, I have to do three resets in one season? I don't think I can do it. And I'm like, calm down. Breathe. You can do this. So yeah, just <laughs> wanted to let people know that. So, I think I only have one reset so far, so yeah. yeah. That's... Definitely getting a four stack during that triple infamy infamy will help a lot. Personally, my tip is what I do is three chaos reach warlocks and one tether hunter. You will instantly kill the boss. You don't even need to worry about the envoys. Wow. It's hilarious. That's what me that's what myself, close stick, archer G Man and my buddy Phoenix, that's what we do. He's the now, hunter. Do you pop those chaoses all at the same time, or is it just... You, basically, what we do is, you know, Primeval spawns. We have um, our hunter tether with Orpheus rig, so he'll generate a metric shit ton of orbs. And then we kill the envoys just, just, just for some icing on the cake. We wait for the invader to come in. We kill him. And then we just melt. Because he'll have his tether back again. So he tethers, then we have all three warlocks use Chaos Reach, and they have to be wearing... I mean, they don't have to be wearing um, Geomags, but that's like icing on the cake. They do that, boom, dead. Goodbye. Gone. Adios. That's it's hilarious. people are killing that, that pioneer. That's how, like, when you're on the enemy team and you see the health just disappear instantaneously? Yeah, that's how. Uh. Now everyone knows my secret. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> that's all good. Maybe we'll uh, get some some good competition. Cause I I love Gambit. Yeah, I I'm I'm excited to see them evolve it. I'm excited to see what else they're gonna do with it. And um basically like, you know, we'll see get to see more of the Drifter story be more hashed out. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. And we also have a number of sandbox changes that are coming with the next season of Destiny Two. We will have changes coming to linear fusion rifles. Uh, their effectiveness will be reduced at long ranges. Um, also, there will be a 10% damage increase for linear fusion rifles in PvE to compensate for the change. And uh, rapid-fire shotguns are getting some updates, too. They will get a damage multiplier... And shotguns will receive a damage multiplier in PvE activities, effectively doubling their damage. The Legend of Acrius will be the exception to this. Also, full auto 
I'm sorry, full auto rate of fire bonus for shotguns is now plus 10% down from plus 100%. Ooh, that's not very good, is it? Mm -mm. But they did say that they're going to increase the damage of shotguns overall, so you're not really losing. Yeah, I mean, they definitely need to come down, I think, in PvP a little bit, because the shotguns yeah. are... <laughs> that's the hard part about this, about this is like they need to they don't want to do separate tuning like one for pvp and one for pve because you want to know that your gun is reliable you want to know like oh i can go in patrol and shotguns from drakes and if i go into pvp it's gonna act the same way which i think that's fine but some people are like no they need to uh, do it separately so but yeah yeah because yeah. they said rapid fire shotguns will get a damage multiplier yeah yeah i mean because this is like the only game where you can pretty much bring your weapons in like that you yeah. acquire out in the world and everything so that's kind of like why they have to balance separately a little bit yeah because, you know but yeah and the rate of fire values are going to be changing for aggressives there are going to be 55 rpm up from 45 rpm Precisions are going up to 70 RPMs, and that's up from 55 RPM. Lightweights are going up to 80 uh, RPM, and they were previously stated as 90 RPM, so that's going to be decreased, I believe. Uh, rapid fire is going to be 140 RPM, down from 200 RPM. And also a reduced base damage will be given to shotguns across the board to align with the new rate of fire. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I think that, I mean, I don't know. I do feel like shotguns were a little, I wouldn't say OP, but like kind of overpowered. They, they just, are that's what, <laughs> that's what everyone uses. It's like... They are oh, all we're doing, over the place uh, in PvP. We're doing um, Shirochi. Okay, everyone pull out your Aikolo shotgun. It's that's just that's what everyone uses. The highest damage. That's, that's what I use, Aikolos. That's my go-to. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because for me, on the one hand, I don't like the idea of them making shotguns weaker because I really love shotguns and I feel like by nerfing them, they won't feel as special. You have weapons like Dust Rock Blues, you have the Icolos Shotgun. There's a number of weapons you can use that are really, really good in PvE, or rather PvP, and with this change, I think they're going to be less of a meta than what they have been in this season. Now, at the same time, since I've gotten Luna's Howl, I feel like I've been using Luna's Howl in that secondary slot almost exclusively so it's kind of difficult for me to find a shotgun that i can put in my primary slot and really dust enjoy rock. using dust rock yeah i don't have one with perks that make it good enough for me to use as a viable option plus i do like using pulse rifles for longer range combat Ooh, so for yes me, pulse rifles vigilance pulse wing rifles. blast furnace those are kind of my go-to weapons in the crucible for any type of longer range battle 
Yeah, I agree. I have a uh, Shattering Bone I got from Last Wish. The perks on that are amazing. Outlaw and Rampage with the Rampage mod. Is that, is that the curated role? No, it is not. Okay. It is not the curated role. The curated role is Outlaw and Kill Clip, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. I can probably check because I know my good friend Glowstick has one of those, and I'm signed in on his account right now. Let me check his inventory real quick. Yeah, it is. Yep, it is Triple Tap. It is, no, it's not Triple Tap. Sorry. It is. Um, light mag, kill clip, and high impact reserves with a masterwork and range. I prefer mine a little bit better because it's it's outlaw and rampage with a rampage. I put a rampage mod on it, and its masterwork is in range. So that thing is an ad killing machine. It's also very convenient to use when you're farming pulse rifle frames for blacksmith title, because I can just go through one lost sector. The one on Mars next to Anna Bray. Go through that one. Kill everything. And by the time I get to the boss, I'll be on the part where I have to get the Radiant Seeds. And for some weird reason, that guy only always drops ten. So, you know, shotgun him with, with Ikelos a few times and he's dead. And then I leave the Lost Sector, come back, kill him again. And then I'm done. So that's a that's what I use. I love my Chattering Bone, like... I have it white and gold with the callus shader on it. I might have to bust mine out and uh, try it out. Yeah, it's it's a really nice, especially if you have the right role for it. I think I have a couple of them. I think I have a, the curated one, and I think I have another god roll one. I'm not really sure what the perks are. I'll have to double check on that. But yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out for sure. Definitely, yeah, definitely. It's pretty good. The next subject on in the weekly update is Shadow Price's favorite exotic in Destiny 2. Do you want to talk about this one? Uh, yeah. Looks like the one-eyed mask is about to get nerfed. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the prayers of all guardians are being answered everywhere. Well, mostly all guardians. Uh, what their uh, their plans for the Exotic are there. The duration of the Mark of Vengeance has been reduced from 15 seconds to 8 seconds. So that's a pretty good uh, decrease right there. Uh, the way players refill health after a successful kill has changed. Before, it restored all of your health and the overshield refilled over time. Now the health refills over time alongside the overshield. This should give a leg up on encountering situations where multiple people are fighting one person with a one-eyed mask equipped. So... Yeah, I think that's a good change there, too. And then finally, Vengeance will no longer trigger for players in Super. This was making Supers far too potent. Yeah, that was a little crazy. Yeah, that's what made it, like, super OP'd. And just the fact that if you lost a gunfight to somebody with OEM and they get their overshield back in full health completely, that's just, that was game-breaking right there, almost. Like. Yeah, definitely, I agree. So... What do you get? What, what do you think, Corn? I am so glad that One-Eyed Mask is getting nerfed because it's the most frustrating thing to have to play against. And in my opinion, Bungie bringing in One-Eyed Mask into the game 
it broke the crucible in many ways for a lot of players because if I'm going up against somebody with a one-eyed mask it does not matter what I do or what I have that other person will win so I think giving players a fair chance and balancing the game where it's not a battle of who has one-eyed mask I think it's all for the better I definitely hate, I hate the one-eyed mask with a passion yeah it wasn't really fair in Crucible, if, especially during Grimson days, when you'd be up against two titans with one-eyed mask. I mean, look at look at the competitive landscape. Look at yeah, comp. that's I why mean, I don't do comp. We've we've played a lot of comp over the last month, right? We got our Lumis Howl. Oh, it was so frustrating, and so many people who are playing comp they have not Lumis Howl, they have a one-eyed mask. Mm. Lumis Howl and one-eyed mask. So. Yeah, yeah some people. True. <laughs> so it, it was a pretty toxic environment and I, I really hope that the crucible is improved with this change and i think it will be yeah i mean there's exotic and then there's just like completely op'd and just not fun to go against and you're right like when you went against a team of full like when i masks like how can you win how, how can you be expected to win that match <laughs> you can't like yeah, it's literally as soon as they're done killing somebody, they get overshield. You know, it's like, and if like everybody on that team is doing it, you're gonna wipe that team faster than the match. You know, the match will be over really quick too. You know, and it's like, like what just happened? <laughs> so definitely, definitely. So so yeah, so definitely step in the right direction. I think we can all agree that one-eyed mask needed a nerf, and it. It, it kind of sucks that it took them over six months to implement this change, but finally. Yeah. Better late than never. Yeah. Definitely true. Guess what? We're going to be talking about the Dreaming City. We're going to dive right into lore. But Ooh. before we do, we do have that little tradition on the show. We rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five one being the weakest, five being the very best. What do you guys think of this week's update? Ooh, I think it's um, uh, four. Because, it, I mean, it, it's bringing good changes to Gambit. It's nerfing One-Eyed Mask. It's fixing a lot of the, like, little bugs here and there. So I give it, I give it like, yeah. Yeah, that's two times better than what I gave it last week. So, yeah, I, I agree. And for all the reasons that she said, four. Mm-hmm. Agree with what that as well. I, right. I will give it a four out of five because I think this was a solid update. I really like the changes that are coming to Gambit with the next update. That's all great. I think it's going to make Gambit more fun to play. And these are all great changes between the additional spawn locations that we're getting. I'm not quite sure how the blocker changes will be impacted in the game. We'll just have to wait and see, you know, when we actually get a chance to play it to see how it pans out. But all of these changes are good. I also like the changes with uh, the linear fusion rifles because, hey, we all have been in Gambit with somebody using a sleeper or a queen and, breaker or a queen breaker and you just get destroyed from like 20 miles away. Right. So I think this change will help to alleviate that a great deal. 
I'm also I'm not sure about shotguns and how that's gonna all play out, but at the same time, honestly, I don't care too much because I do have the Lunas Howl, so I'm more excited to move to that meta and away from using shotguns. So I'm I'm okay with that as well. And one-eyed mask, great change. It's been a long time coming. So yeah, I would give this update a four out of five spicy tuna rolls. It was a really good update. Yeah, one more thing I wanted to add. Um, he threw it in at the end, DMG said. He said, before we go, I wanted to sh share a quick preview of something that the hunters among you have been asking for. If you ever found yourself thinking it would be awesome if I could see my entire cloak when previewing shaders, we have some good news for you. Update 2.2.0 will make a slight change to your view when inspecting cloaks in the character screen. Thank so, God. Quality of life improvement right there. Best quality of life improvement I've heard all day. That's just great. Because I... Because that would always be so frustrating. Like, I'd look at the back of the cloak, and I'd be like, oh, this looks great. And then I'd put the shader on, and it wouldn't change, like, the head, yeah. the hood color. The hood would look weird with that shading. I'd be like, <sighs> it just would be mm -hmm. frustrating. But I'm really glad that they're fixing that. Yeah, good change. Definitely great change. So we have finally come to the point of the show where we will be talking about the Dreaming City. All right. And lore. What is the Dreaming City? All right. Well, the Dreaming City was created by Riven and Mara Sov. They, well, because, blah, words are difficult. Um, yeah, Mara Sov and, Ri and Riven worked together. That was more of Mara, Riven, the Techians... They all kind of worked together to make it. But Riven did help, especially with her, you know, reality-altering paracausal powers. That does make things a little easier. Now, I got a question. Like, if... Because it's a wish dragon. Like... Yes. Like, Ahamakaras are considered wish dragons. So if somebody was, like, wishing something while they were creating it, could that happen? Would, yes. Could Riven make that happen? Yes, because in the lore tab for the Gauntlets of the Great Hunt, it kind of talks about it, because it, it says, I am Riven. My work on the Dreaming City is complete. I have done everything the Queen asked of me, but this is a bargain. I did so much more than that. The Queen and her Ike will not understand for some time, though I think the Queen can see the signs. What I carved into the small corners, in the wall of wishes itself. This will be a beautiful city, but not a safe city. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of talks about how... Because Ahamkara, they're kind of like genies. They give you what you want, but there's a little twist. So like, she, yes, she helped make the Dreaming City, and it was this beautiful place. It's, I mean, we've all been there. It's amazing. Like... Yeah. I mean, especially before the curse. Now that it's all, like, cursed and stuff, and all that taken everywhere, it's not as pretty. But anyways, like, that's what Ahamkara do. They do their their wish, but there's always a con there's consequences. Kind of like the worm gods, with... a little bit. Yes! They're very similar. Like, for a long time, people thought Ahamkara and the worm gods were the same thing, but they're not. Right. They're not the same. They just use some, the same meaning ways of manipulating people to doing what they want. 
Right. The Hamakara more signify like dragons, basically. They, well, yeah, they're, they're called wish dragons, basically. Yes. Yeah. That's what we call them. But yes, they're. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When I first saw Riven for the first time, I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it was just. It was. It was awesome. It was really cool. Definitely yes. Well, and before we saw Riven, there was Zoe, right? Yes, the Zoe first was dragon. Well, Zoe, Zoe's a worm god. Worm Zoe's god. a worm god. Yeah. One of one of the smaller worm gods, though I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is the smallest of the. He like he and Nocris left, kind of became a uh, different faction of Hive. I mean, they still sort of follow the Zord logic, but not really. I yeah. mean, the whole fact that Nocris is resurrecting. Um, hive over and over that goes up, goes against the sword logic because you're not supposed to like, when you die it's like you deserved it if you don't have a throne world you deserve death but if you kill and kill and kill and kill enough to become worthy to have an ascendant realm then it's you're not, it's not frowned upon to die because it's oh you're power you're powerful enough and you've killed enough that you get this safety net. Gotcha. Very interesting. And I did also read in the lore that the Awoken have been slaying, taken to create arms and armaments mm-hmm. and other projects that we are able to acquire in the game. Yep, they did that back in um, Destiny 1. That's how we got the Taken Prison of Elders gear, actually, which was pretty fun. I rocked yeah. that gear. Wow, yeah, that, was the that Taken Armor sense. and the Dreadfang Sword. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that, I remember that. Yeah, when we but, first saw that, we were just like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, that reminds me, there is a... Um, one of the lore entries in um, *The Awoken of the Reef*. It's from the. It's called Illin, and it's about the Coven Mother. Illin, she's the Coven Mother of the Techians. And that's pretty interesting, because that has to do with, because they they take a taken vandal, and they try to use it to talk to Sidia and Shirido. Not Shirido, sorry. Shirochi. Shirochi, yeah, there's so many. Sorry, I meant Shirochi. Shiraido was the first Queen's Wrath. Now, Shirochi is who we encounter in the raid, too, right? Yes, Shirochi. We encounter Shirochi and Kali. And in the strike, we encounter Sidia. They are the last Tekians. There are no more Tekians. They're all dead. They died in the uh, blast, right? No. In the blast of Orcs, that was Shirochi... Those, those were those three. The other three, oh, okay. techie, the, the other four remaining Techians, <laughs> Portia, Ilin, um, uh, Narcia, they were the only ones that were left, and they did a ritual. I wouldn't say a ritual, but definitely a rich, uh, some sort of ritual thing to try to reach out to the remaining Techians to see if they were alive. But she. Sadly, um, Ilan makes the fatal mistake of wanting, of wishing. She wishes 
for Shirochi and Aldrin and Mara to come back. Mm. Yeah, it says, um, she thinks of the time before Saturn. She thinks of Shirochi and Aldrin and Mara. She wants that time back. She wants. In the non-space around them, great jaws snap shut. Riven! Brave Portia screams. Illin was prepared for taking, folded, perfect things, elegant, and thus manageable. But this absolute appetite, this impossible will. She speaks the, in the secret word of stasis that will crash their augment and end the communication. She does not know if she is in time. Quiet Nasia is screaming. Inquisitive Lissel is screaming. The screaming has begun again. What lore entry is that from? That's Illin. Oh, okay. It's in the book of, it's in the Awoken of the Reef. That one. Okay. So basically, because the last time there was like the screaming like that, everyone who screamed, they died. Basically, it's in the, um, what's really great is there's these pilgrimages you can do along in the uh, Dreaming City. They're, instead of like, normally, there are the symbols for the ghosts, and when you're patrolling, normally those means you just go to this place and scan it. But in the Dreaming City, you talk to the Techians, or Shirochi, and you go to these various locations, and they tell you the lore. And one of them, they talked about some Techians doing some, a ritual gone wrong or something, if I remember correctly. Hold on. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Yeah, I'm reading where um, they say that they uh, they want that time back. Yeah, they they. That's the thing. You sh when you're around Alhamkara, you never ever 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 wish for anything. That is like a death sentence, so to speak. Because don't even think they, it. <laughs> they yeah, don't even like literally don't even think it. They will. They know. They just yeah. know. Huge shout out to Lola Dev for his maps. They are so helpful. They have all of the um, pilgrimage lessons on there, and it's synced up with um, Ishtar Collective. Because I know where it is. I just don't know what it's called. It's this statue. Garden bench. Ah, oh, it's the pillar one. For anyone who does not know who the Techians are, they are Marasov's powerful advisors who helped take out Oryx's fleet at the Battle of Saturn. Ah, uh, yes, yes, they were. They are some, yes, that is correct. And that was Shirochi, Kali, and um, Sadia that were there. Yes, they were the three that were there. Ah, yes, I, I found it. It's the, it, it's actually, it's in the Garden of Asilla, and it's the Techian. Oh, Techian statues. This is what one of the dialogue options is. Um... Those statues there, look up at them. Those Techians died a vicious, irreversible death. They died in trance, each screaming with the other's voice, each one unable to comprehend the horror of the thing that had killed them. So they were all in trance, and they had died, which is the same thing that happened to Ilin and Nasia and Lysol. That's what had happened to them. They were in... and Portia. They all had died in trance, trying to reach out to Shirochi. So there are no more Techians. Except for the three that we have that we saved. And that's why it was so important for us to be able to to save them. Yes. Save them in Not the kill them. We have to save them. That's Exactly. Even in the in the in the corrupted strike, Petra tries to like be like, do not kill them, please. They're like Techians, they know so much. They're like the Queen's right hand advisors. 
basically. Yeah. And they have like some sort of sentient power with the. With yes, the they have the Harbringers. Every Techian has a Harbringer. Harbringer, yep. Harbringer, yeah. Yep. You see that happen during. In the Battle the, of Saturn, yeah. During the Taken King, um, for the opening cinematic, when they release the Harbingers and everything against uh, Oryx's ship, if I'm not mistaken. The yes, they do. It blasts through some of the smaller tomb ships, but because Oryx's ship is made out of the chitin of Akka, like one of the worm gods, it's that's yeah. that's not going to do anything. That's like right. nothing. Yeah, and it's like that's why probably why like that <laughs> made her pass out and everything like Mara and everything. Yeah, she was like, in trance and she was like amplifying yeah. their power and she's like and I'm done. Yep. Now, how did we go about actually fighting some of these Techians in the Last Wish raid? Well, a lot of it is. So, do you mean like the actual mechanics, or do you mean like lore-wise? Because it's a little fuzzy. From a like, from a story perspective, I mean, we do well, have to fight Kali. Well, yeah, from a story perspective, we did fight Kali and Shirochi. We, but in the end, instead of us killing them, we like untake them. And then they're fine, and they're like, thank you for saving me. This is great. Everything's wonderful. They were being corrupted by Riven, correct? Yeah, they were corrupted by Riven. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because they were taken during the Battle of Saturn when they um, they got caught in the blast. They didn't die. They were taken. I, uh, I see. That, that almost has some other implications, too, when it comes to um, Aldrin, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely... He necessarily wasn't taken. Riven preyed on his intense desire to bring his sister back. Right. In the... I say like too many times, but... Um, book called The Forsaken Prince, it explains all of his story. Yeah. And I feel so bad for him. Like, a lot of people were just like, oh, I hate him. He killed Cade. I want revenge. Like, at first, I was like them. I was like, yeah, he killed Cade. That's not cool. That's really not cool. But once you, like, realize he's being manipulated by Riven to open the Dreaming City so Riven could, like, escape. Because Riven had been trapped there. Yeah, yeah I see. I see. And, I mean, he was somewhat affected from the blast, too, though. Because, I mean, his sh ship got, like... You know, yeah, his ship got sent all the way Mars. to Mars, yeah. and then he repaired his ship with the help of his crows, and then he, he got crashed again. Crashed again, yeah. Which is how I like how they explained how you know in the grimoire we get in D1 he crashed near the near the Vex Gate, but in D2 he's by um, Clovis Bray. Right. Like, I remember some people were like, "How did they miss that?" Like. People are like, oh, I can't believe they retconned it. And I'm like, guys, 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 guys. There's a reason. Bungie wouldn't just – Bungie's smarter than that, guys. Yeah, people were worried because of the war mine on all, everything too. Like they were, they thought that, oh, war mines were only on Earth or something like that. And, yep, you that's know. a fragment. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I just feel bad for him because he was on Mars, you know, just – I wouldn't say doing his thing, like trying to like – figure out what to do he was to... trying to get back to his sister basically. yeah but his sister is dead and he goes like he went crazy and he's like contemplating just jumping off a cliff and killing himself at this point and i'm just like oh man 
Because this is um called After the Fall. Is I believe yeah. yes, After the Fall. Yes, as he staggers down the edge of a marsh. Martian chasm, he can feel the drop calling to him, begging him to join her, to end it all. And he just... He's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it, was, it was really interesting during that last mission that we played in Destiny 2, uh, right before you know we kill Prince Aldrin. You could see uh-huh. that he was he was not in his right state of mind, and he was really out there to try to save his sister. He, he yeah, that was the only thing he wanted, is and Riven preyed on that and manipulated him into doing, into basically playing into her hand. Yeah. Now, do you guys think that somebody else was involved behind it? Maybe it wasn't Riven. Do you think Riven could have been manipulated also? Well, Riven is under the control of Savathun because Riven was take. Here's the thing. So Oryx went into Mara's throne world after the Battle of Saturn, and took Riven. So Riven was taken. By Oryx? And, by Oryx, yes. But oh. Riven kept it. But Oryx let Riven keep some of its will. Similar to how when Oryx took Kyora, Blade Transform, it kept some of its will. So it could, like, think on its own and not be a mindless zombie. But yeah, so Oryx did that, and... Um... There's a lore tab. Let me figure out which one it is. It's the... Um... Yeah, it's the... Um... Not Mask of the Great Hunt. Yeah, because yeah. I'm always wondering how exactly Riven got taken. It's the... One of the things of the Great Hunt. Is it... It's the robes, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. It reads, um... I am myself... All my memories, everything I was, all the bargains I have made, that was all me. And yet, I have taken a new shape. I am Riven. I have a new directive. I am the king of the Taken. I watch as hundreds, a hundred thousand thousands of fragments of my will contest with children of light. In my new shape, I hate them. He was his son. But there are those among them who I have made bargains. I need them. I love them. I am a king. My will breaks entire systems. I will lead a world full of darkness. But I am terrified. I know the power that these children wield. This is a war a king cannot win. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> so that so basically Riven was feeling what Oryx was feeling. Oryx actually was kind of scared of how powerful we were which is kind of put things in perspective mm-hmm. a little bit but yeah the uh the um and also in the gloves of the great hunt um it talks about the aftermath of the king dart the taken king being slain and it talks about I am a king no longer. The king's corpse hangs in orbit above a world I will never see, not from this cage. I am riven. I am taken, and I am beholden to no one, nothing. I have not spoken in years. I think about what inflection I would use if I did, but no one is there. The king's voice faded long ago. No voice comes to mind. 
The king despaired in his final moments, rightly so, his vengeance denied. Most of those who bargain with me do not win. I am afflicted by a tedious repetition. So she just kind of, it kind of talks about how Riven basically just, it doesn't matter who, like people try to like outsmart her, outthink her, but she always wins. Always wins. Mm -hmm. Very but interesting. Yeah. yeah. But then when Savathun comes, that's when it's scary. It's spooky. Why because, is that? Well, because the Lord Tab, it's, it's again, the boots of the... Most of you can probably get most of this from reading the Warlock set. Of, I'm looking um, at it right now. <laughs> yeah, the Warlock set. Um, and it's the boots. And it talks about, it says, The Techians are poor company. Like me, they are taken. But I am riven. My thoughts are my own. They do not speak to me. When they um, open their mouths, they emit ugly sounds. Incomprehensible. I am afflicted by tedious repetition. But today I have a visitor. She reminds me of the king. Yet subtler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing announces her arrival. Her will does not flow through the system and open challenge against her enemies. Though there are many here she would call her enemy. And her will would not flow. It would crash. I did not notice her. That means the light did not notice her. She knows, though I am taken, I am beholden to no one. So I ask if she wishes to take up those strings. She does. And I take a new shape. My cage loses its purpose. I can tell this is not a part of her grand design. This is an introduction. She is at play. Through our new bond, I glimpse her intention, and I hope she remains at play. Most of those who bargain with me do not win. She releases a vibrant, unrestrained bursts of air from her face. I do not. So she's so basically Savathun is laughing and Riven right. is just, this is bad. Like, I, you know it's bad when Riven isn't like, this is great. Yeah. Like, and we'll get into the... Um, what Savathun's actual plan is a little bit later, because it is ambitious is an understatement. Wow. So, so yeah. So basically, taken, Riven was taken by orcs, and orcs, then yep. okay, and then Savathun has basically manipulated Riven to the point where can get Riven to do what she wants Riven well, to do. Yeah, because yeah. That's basically the gist of it. Riven was with working with Mara, created the Dreaming City, created Mara's throne. Mara got killed, with air quotes. Oryx came in, crashed her throne world. I wouldn't say blew it up, but did some damage. And took Riven as like a prize kind of thing. Riven helped Oryx out. Oryx died. Savathun is like, ooh, Ahamkara, I'ma take this. This is mine now. You're gonna be part of my evil plan. Mwahaha. And Riven is just like, well, this isn't good. But yeah, right. Savathun is definitely a force to be reckoned with, because she has Riven, or I guess had Riven. She has Kyora, which is the reason why there's that loop in the Dreaming City. Every three weeks, Kyora resets the Dreaming City. And who exactly is Kira again? Kyora Blade Transform is the Vex that invaded Oryx's throne world way, 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 way long time ago when Crota was 
trying to understand the sword logic, and he cut a hole in Oryx's throne world, releasing the Vex. The Vex then created Kiora as a means of trying to understand Oryx's throne world, because they had never seen anything like it before. Like, it defies causality. It's paracausal. They're like, what is this? We need to understand. So they created Kiora Blade Transform, and eventually Kiora was taken by Oryx, but it left a little bit of its will, and right before it was taken, it sent all of the data that it had gotten to the rest of the Vex Collective, which is why we see Vex and the Black Garden worshipping, because Kiora had figured out worshipping the darkness gives you semi-paracausal abilities. Mm, so that's why we wow. have Vex worshipping in the Black Garden. That's why we have Panoptes trying to make... Because I feel like the Infinite Forest is the Vex's approximation of throne worlds. Because they can do whatever they want in the Infinite Forest. They can simulate whatever they want. They have complete and utter control there. Similar to, like, Oryx having complete and utter control in his throne world. Like, even the motions that Panoptes does in his fight is very, very similar to Oryx in the King's Fall raid. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, so I think it's definitely a very fascinating tidbit to think about. So yeah, so and then after that, Oryx gifted Kiora to Savathu as a gift. He's like, here you go, have this thing you might find use for, I don't care about it. And now, and with, I think it's this week's Truth to Power lore, let me double check. But with the Truth to Power lore, we have learned what Savathun's plan is. So that's very exciting. Yeah, we're going to save that for the very end. For the end. end, though. We have to save that for the end, though. But I'm so save excited. Save the best for last. Yes, of course, of course. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the Last Wish raid and some of the lore inside of that and what it tells us about the story of Marasov and Savathun. Mm, okay, yes. The Last Wish raid and the Reverie Dawn gear kind of gives like a pre like a preview of it where it talks about Mara going through from Oryx's ascendant realm all the way to the Shattered Throne or her throne world which is now shattered because you know Oryx mucked around in there and was all like, "Ooh, look at this shiny thing," you know, trying to get treasure and whatnot. But yes. And it kind of, yeah, it goes through. I guess the first piece to look at is the the helmet. Because it talks about Eris will lead the Guardians to kill Oryx so she can... <laughs> I think it's funny. Like, it, quote, They will enter the court and challenge its king and dance in its killing ground. And they will master the school of sword logic so mightily that they will overturn its teacher and forsake the crown. Which is exactly what we do. We go in there. We kill his court. We kill him. We do dance. We get the loot. And we leave. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happens. We seem to do that a lot. Yeah. Like, Toland even got pretty upset with us that we didn't become... Take the throne. Yes, he got very upset. He's like, you guys could have been kings and queens of the deep... You toppled him, but you did not replace him. Like, that's, like, my favorite quote from... Because, mm -hmm. yeah, because you, you hear that quote, actually, when you do um, 
the subclass mission on Io to get their first subclass in Forsaken. You hear that quote. When I did, I was like, no way. No freaking way. Because Toland actually is one of my favorite characters. He's a very interesting person. What? Yeah. He's super interesting because we don't know what side he's playing on right now. <laughs> he's on his own side. Well, yeah. Passage from the Reverie Dawn Hood for the Warlock actually tells us a little about Toland and what his thought process is and whose side mm -hmm. he's really on. And in that passage, it states, She waits. She trusts that Eris will shepherd the Guardians and that the infinite ambition of those undying half-children will deliver her. They will enter the court and challenge its king and dance in its killing ground. And they will master the school of sword logic so mighty that they will overturn its teacher and forsake the crown. Soon, but soon may not be soon enough. Because Oryx roams the hollowed spires and melancholy shores of the dreaming city. He stands looking out over the mist of her beautiful creation, and he laughs. She can feel him there, like a thorn in the meat of her palm. She scolds herself for not factoring Shirochi's love into her design. Then she betrays herself for the nervous energy. This frightful self-cannibalism, lungless, Mara remembers the sensation of the deep breaths, enacts it in her mind. She remembers singularity before her. She waits. Yes. So I just think that's really interesting. And, um, yeah, so actually Oryx, not Oryx, sorry, Toland does have a little throne world, a little tiny one. Little baby one, not as, not as grand and fancy as Oryx or Crota's or even Mars, just a little tiny one. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite thing is what he says after we um, kill Oryx. It's the Grimoire card called King's Fall. You fools. You disastrous, bumbling squanders. It is not right. Who shall be the first navigator? Lord of shapes, harrowed god, taken king. Not you. You might have been kings and queens of the deep, but you have toppled Oryx and you have not replaced him. There must be a strongest one. It is the architect of these architecture of these spaces. Why are you leaving? So I just think it's really interesting how Toland is like you could have like commanded armies and Mara's just like, no, leave, 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 please. I'ma take this power, please. Thank you. Like she wants to be on the same playing field as Salvathun and Zivurath because she had visions of the Triangle spaceship. She knows they're gonna come back. Yeah, I mean, so she she's... had him on her in her th in her court and everything. Mm -hmm. like... Yeah, she did. So. It's... So she is very aware of what is gonna happen. What about them returning? Like, even if I remember correctly, one of the multiple times that you have seen her up until last last time when she's like, bye. One of the times she does talk about a second collapse is coming. It's going to happen again. Because of the triangle spaceships. Woo! Yeah. So, so she is, I think she is trying to prepare for that. That is what she is trying to do. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
she's the queen is a powerful player in how all this is actually going to play out. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely. You also got to take into account the name. It's Toland the Shattered, right? To yes. me, shattered means broken, lost, confused, stuck in between realms. Yes. So there's a lot of interesting theory behind Toland and what his true motives are. Is he good? Is he bad? He's on his own side. He doesn't care about the light or the dark. Because he, first of all, he used the the first fire team with of Eris and Ariana three and the rest of those people. Mm-hmm. He he was he flat out or it's in the grimoire cards that he was just using them to get to Iriu and sing the death death singer's dire or song with them with her and basically transcend death. That's the only reason he was going down there. He didn't really care about killing Crota. He's like, that's not my goal. I want to. I want to talk to this person. This person. He was kind of he, fascinated with the hive a little bit. Yes, right? he was. He's like the Osiris of the hive, but. Right. Osiris is doing it for the right reason. Osiris is like, I want to stop the Vex by any means necessary. Toland is just like. He's he had, wants to be ascendant with the hive. He ba- and everything. Yeah, literally, he wants to become ascendant. That's yeah. what. That's what happened. He became. He went to the Sea of Screams, and that's like the place in between the Shattered Thrones. That's why we see his visions of of him every time we're in, like, the Ascendant Realm and everything. Yeah, when we're in doing the Ascendant Challenge, the reason we can see him is he's kind of going in between places. Yeah. And because the the Ascendant Challenges, those whole things, those are like fragments of Mara's throne world basically collapsing. Like those are like little, and because his he is basically in the sea of screams, he can like basically get into Mars Throne World a lot easier now because Oryx has again you know yeah. came in there and kind of damaged it. Bucked it it's, up. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and when you go into the Ascendant Challenge, it almost feels like he serves as a guide to guide you to where you have to go. Yes, that, that's very true i mean like he i mean knowing that we know what he looks like now how is that little orb he definitely was guiding us during the king's fall raid to slay oryx if you remember there was that little orb that you would follow during um the final fight with oryx there was the little like you would have to jump on the platform and then the orb would go to the next platform and then you would go to that one and it would go to the next one kind of like guiding you through it he wanted us to kill oryx he wanted us to take his power so he's kind of like a guide in light. Yeah. Basically. And yeah. actually, it, it also took place in the fight right before him where you had to fight the Death Singers because one person yeah, had daughters. to go around mm-hmm. in order for you to break the shield Damage. of the the sisters, oh, and that's how you were able to kill them, you, ultimately. Yes. And he witnessed us kill Oryx and everything, and he's there. See, it's like, why didn't you take the throne? Exactly. You, exactly. you killed the king. Why didn't you not take the throne? Yeah, he was so upset because that's how that's what you're supposed to do. That's how the sword logic works. You kill that thing, you take what's theirs. It's it's like that's your right. And Oryx but, said that in his like basically that you know it's like if something has you know comes to kill me, then you know so be it and you yeah know, everything and that's if, yeah that's basically if something came to kill me, they're obviously stronger than me and they deserve I deserve to. 
I just that's yeah. that's literally how that's how their religion, the sword logic works. Is it's like if something stronger kills you, you don't deserve to live anymore. It's right. a very brutal, almost fascinating, like belief system. And I that's probably that's... why Tolan is so um, fascinated with it and everything. Yeah, that's why, because Tolan just wants to understand the hive. He wants to be best friends with them. Yeah. That's why I like Toland. He's he's a very interesting person. I like him too because he's on my favorite weapon in the uh, in the in the um the flavor text. And that's yeah. Shadow Price. So Oh yeah, Shadow Price. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys think that ultimately his goal is to become more powerful? What what is his What is his goal? Objective. What, what does he want to accomplish? What does he want to I think he's I don't know if he's necessarily already accomplished it though. I think he he wanted to become ascendant and understand the hive and transcend and go to the sea of screams and I think he's basically done what he wanted to do which was, you know, talk to Iriut the death singer, sing the song with her and you know try to be friends with her it didn't work she killed him <clears throat> but yeah it's it's fascinating the lore that's around Tolan <laughs> yeah Tolan it's... is one of my favorite characters let's talk a little bit about the next piece of armor in the Ooh. last wish story line so to speak and that would be the... Ah, oh, yeah, that one. There are some real implications with the gloves. It starts out with... She travels across the ascendant plane. The voyage across the sea of screams threatens to erode her edges as no other trial ever has. In Oryx's throne world, she has semblance of an identity. Treasure, spoils of war, defeated queen repugnant and alien and not me but she could use those contortions as guideposts to trace her way back to herself here in the emptiness between the throne worlds she has nothing but the way she can carry the burden is growing heavier but she is not alone he tries to speak to her from the place of high contempt in doing so he invites her into his apography she steps out of her howling and finds her footing upon a plane of swords and madness and all-consuming curiosity. Who are you? The question summons an almost forgotten answer deep within the rapidly solidifying shape of her. I am Mara Sav. Starlight was my mother, and my father was the dark. The thing that was once called Toland flees before her darkness, light, shadow majesty and she rests without this scrap of a world before resuming her journey through the howling and that was the excerpt from the gauntlets the reverie dawn uh, gloves yeah are those the warlock hunters or the hunters it's, it's all the same the oh, lord tab for all of them is the same oh okay yeah i find it really interesting where Marasov says, I am Marasov, 
Starlight was my mother, and my father was the dark. Mm-hmm. She says that exact same quote to the House of Wolves prior to the... Because the House of Wolves, they were on series refueling, and they were going to join the rest of the Fallen at the Battle of the Twilight Gap. And Mara knew if the House of Wolves joined up with the rest of the Fallen, the city would be lost. So she decided, um, we're done hiding in the shadows. I'm going to attack you guys. And she used um, Harbringers and blew up series. Just blew it up. Just gone. Mm-hmm. And she says that exact same quote to the Kel of the House of Wolves. And he's all like, who are you? She says that exact line. I am Mara Sav. Starlight was my mother and my father was the dark. And then, like, their ships start, like, freaking out. The servitors are like, what's happening? Something's wrong. And then the Harbringers come, and they all blow up. And she basically kills the Kel of how, the House of Wolves. And then there's the Reef War. The, yeah, the Reef Wars between the remaining House of Wolves and the Reef. And eventually it ends up with, you know, Skolas being captured and Mara being Kel of House of Wolves. Very cool. I remember that. I remember that story. Yeah. And now Skolas next... was a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Skolas? Oh, man. <laughs> Do you remember oh. eight hours at Skolas? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty yep. bad. Passing the, uh, the tainted whatever that thing was. <laughs> the tainted something. Pay... Yeah, we had to pass it every 30 seconds. <laughs> The next passage that is included in the uh, chest piece talks about a little character we remember from The Taken King, Eris Morn. You guys remember Eris? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eris Morn. She was one of. She was also accompanied Tolend in the first fire team to attempts to slay Crota, but that obviously didn't go as planned, and everyone died. Except for Eris, she was the sole... I guess Tolan technically lived, but, you know, he was off in the Sea of Screams, chilling, being yeah. ascendant, while she was, you know, crawling around in the hive catacombs, trying to find her way out. She didn't have her light anymore, but she did have an Ahamkara bone, and she wished for a way out, and she found one. That's why she has the three... Hive eyes. She found a way out, but at what cost? Yeah, she basically had to take the characteristics of the hive, in a way, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the the passage in the chest piece of the Reverie Dawn chest. Uh, it starts with uh, "There's a place where we can remember who we are." Imogen Rife. She feels Oryx's true death in both halves of her soul. A full imagined exhale before the aftershock reaches his throne world. It crumbles around like stone, like ash, like veils in a breeze. Eris Morn's friends have succeeded. The guardians have slain a god. She steps through the ruins. In the end, there is nothing. Nothing but Mara saw and the howling of rampant, untamed logics. Her great and terrible gamble has paid off. The rest is up to her now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one is like this this lore tab kind of bothers me 
just a little bit. It kind of, I wouldn't say retcons some stuff, but a little. Because the issue is, so Oryx died. His throne, no one took over his throne world, so it collapses. We saw the same thing happen when we killed the Mindbender. His, we kill him. No one's in control of his little, his little slice of a throne world. It mm-hmm. collapses. When we killed Crota, his throne world did not collapse. So that's the only thing that bothers me. That's it. That's the only thing that it bothers. Because we went back to or uh, we went back to Crota's throne world to pick up his like essence. Essence, yeah. So we could go through the ascendant portal and kill Oryx in the the real world. I'm just like trying to figure out how are they gonna like or make that work. Yeah. I guess headcanon theory as to what it is is that the the death ceremony ritual they were doing stabilized it. Like that's the only thing I can think of that could really because both of Crota's sisters were there and Iriute was there and Omnigal. If you instead of going towards the death the ear an ear a lock and ear halak the Crota's sisters if you instead go back towards where the crystal would have would have been where you start the encounter you find Iriute and Omnigal patrolling over there yeah so they're still alive too which is fascinating with them coming out and saying oh when you the whoever's in charge of that throne world is murdered their throne world collapses i'm just like Crota's didn't so I mean, there's probably some reason that they'll come out and explain at some Didn't point. Didn't they say that there was a call out from the knight, and the knight answered? As yeah. As if it has something to do with that? Like, Oryx knew immediately once we killed Crota. And yeah, he knew pretty much immediately after we killed Crota that we had... Um, and that's how he probably sent, like, you know, Earlock and... Yeah, know, he probably... Yeah. And what's also interesting is we killed both of them in Oryx's throne world, not their own, because they're obviously powerful enough. If Crota had his own throne world, then they are the sisters of Crota, so yeah, they would. Yes, they they would definitely. So they're not dead. My assumption is that they're working with Savathun. Savathun. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Which is terrifying because they they were pretty powerful. I find this interesting that on all this Reverie Dawn gear. There's lore about Oryx. Oh, yeah. Well, they have to explain how Marasov survived. Wow, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, the last one is the boots. Oh, the boots in the bottom. Go ahead. Take it away. All right. I'll read the boots. Joy wells in her heart when her searching fingers traces the edges of Eleusinia. She passes through the desert. She has reached the far side of the chessboard. She is alive or soon will be. She opens the door and her joy dies on the threshold. Her throne world is desecrated, not annihilated as Oryx was. The pillars and terraces and courtyards still retain their shape, but the roots had rotted and geometry festers. She should have known she would not be the only one to plan for such eventualities. Oryx's boot prints pucker like scars in the labyrinth that was, on, that was once only her, her own. She sits a while beneath Shur's statue, then follows his tracks through the ruins of Eleusinia back to the Dreaming City. So Oryx was in her throne world. Yes, that's how he got to Riven. Wow. 
This is so fascinating. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah. You get cause... the story through the, the yeah. armor. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's it, it's crazy because um, the helmet with Oryx like standing over the shores of the Dreaming City and kind of looking at it and laughing. Once he found Riven, he's like, "This is mine now." And that was a definitely a bad thing for Mara because with Riven being taken, she lost a significant source of power. Because with the Wall of Wishes, and if you guys don't know what that is, it's this four by five wall in the last wish raid and you shoot the specific symbols and that's how they ended up that's how Riven communicated or not Riven sorry Mara communicated with Riven and so that Riven wouldn't like manipulate the the deals that they would do wow because Mara knew about Mara knew about the secretive evil nature of Amkara's and Riven is like the last Amakara, basically, right? Yeah, she is the last one because they were all slain in the great Ahamkara Ahamkara hunt. hunt yep. that the Guardians did. But Mara specifically was like, Yeah, we don't Ahamkara, yeah, they're 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 all that way. I don't have any Ahamkara. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have there's no Ahamkara in the Dreaming City. No. Like yeah. I, I wanna say that I read somewhere that she was the last known Ahamkara. Yes, that so is, if she's that is the last the... known, is it possible there are others? Yes, actually, and that's actually an interesting thing. Um, the story of Azarim, who is a, a very crafty Ahamkara, he went to the Dreaming City, went to the um, Garden of Asilla, where some Techians were training and whatnot, and Asilla was all like, we know about Ahamkara and how you guys are, you know, not good news. And he's like, this is what he says. My indiscretions, wise lady, I do admit I may have whispered tr- truths you gave me to deceive those who would deceive me. But have I ever struck out with a hungry fang against your people? Have I ever set fire to your trust? I have seen the errors of my ways. Let me prove to you, oh, how I have changed. And she grants him mercy, and he tells a story to the Techian, to these Techians in training and um, Corsairs. And he tells a story, and basically, And Azarim said to those who knelt enraptured, Come, let me sing to you of extinction. Let me sing to you of lives lost in beautiful places, O audience mine. Sing with me, sing. He bade them rise and led them out of the singing below and away from the gardens of Asilla. He spread his wings and flew out into the empty air beyond the steep cliffs that bordered the garden. And to those who happened to glance towards the garden from far-off pavilions, it seemed a merry parade, a joyous chorus, and they did not hear the singing stop, and they did not hear the bodies dashed against the shore below, and they did not see Azarim grow or laugh or flee. So Azarim is one sneaky, sneaky Ahamkara. And it said that he fleed. And this is the only record of Azarim that we have. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it's very possible that he could still be alive, just hiding. Yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. Ao is definitely dead, because we have the exotic boots, bones of Ao. He was a smaller one, I remember, from one of the um, pilgrimages that you do in the Harbinger's Seclude. Because it's, uh, 
Sure Ido, not Sure I keep saying Sure Ido. Shuro Chi talks about how Ao would list was a small one and he would um listen to their secrets, but then you know they had to kill him because because he knew too much too many secrets. It's just there is so much lore in the Dreaming City, so much. Yeah, Azram is a very interesting character because he was able to pretty much weasel his way in and be trusted, and then he just killed a bunch of Awoken. Yeah. And... He just killed them. He's like... Because that's just their nature. Yeah. They're just crafty like that. And in, in so... that killing, didn't it make him more powerful as a... Mm-hmm. Yes. Ahamkara? Mm-hmm. Because when they do their... um. I guess the more wishes they do, the stronger they get. Which is why Riven is massive. Because she did help the queen bake the Dreaming City. She helped the queen make the throne world. She helped the queen in, in like, a lot. She, because... I think she probably also helped, probably in the... Yeah, she helped in the reforce probably as well making illusions and whatnot to mess with the fallen so like riven has done a lot for the queen which is why she's so massive because when aldrin first found her he riven was about the size of his hand and then throughout the course of because every wish that riven grants gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so that's why when we do the raid and she's so huge that kind of gives you a sense of like how powerful ahamkara can get oh and you also have to think about she was taken and then she helped oryx and then she's helping savath and so that's no wonder she's so big very interesting from the cloak in the reverie dawn bond it states the following she is home but it is not the same Shirochi has been taken. Kali and Sadia too. And Riven, she used to sit in the shade of those wings, laugh at the riddles that rumbled in the merciful throat. This creature is all teeth and broken promises, transformed by the expectations of another scheming, secretive sister. I cannot stay here. These are the first words that pass through her throat, though it shares none of the molecules that comprised the code of her former body. They escape the ache as they pass through her lips. Again, if only to remind her that she is alive. I cannot stay here. Yeah. That's kind of when she kind of realizes that she paid, she did a gamble going up against Oryx, and she lost, in a sense. I mean, yes, she is still alive, but she lost Kali, she lost Shirochi, she lost Dia, she lost Riven, her throne world is utterly desecrated and just not destroyed, per se, but shattered. So she cannot stay in her shattered throne, because... And the fact that we, you know, we did rescue, well, you know, we... We just got the curse, you know, taken away from the the, the Techians, and we, you know, Slayed destroyed Riven. Riven, Slayed Riven, but the city still became corrupted. Yes, the of, city is was cursed because yeah. when Riven died, it you know 
one last wish, hence yeah, the name of the wish. raid. Yep. Last wish. Um, Riven, because Riven used the Guardian's wish and power, because it's in the Truth to Power lore, but basically Riven used the um, collective might and wishes of the six Guardians that slayed her to open the Dreaming City to Dulin Karu. Which is yeah. the daughter of Sava of Savathun. Makes sense. <clears throat> and then to make sure Duelin Karu never fails, Kiora, the blade transform, makes every time Duelin Karu dies, it resets, which is why, you know, Shattered Throne is available this week, coincidentally. And after you do that, you kill her next week. Oh, look at that. Curse is back to minimal. Yeah, minimal curse. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, they were able to weave that in. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of cool how they give, like, the NPCs, like Petra and the Corsair that we save, and even the Techians, everyone, all of the Awoken are aware that there's this almost Groundhog Day effect going on. And there's nothing they can do to stop it. That's the sad thing. Yeah. Now, who was uh, Zivu Arath? Zivu Arath is Oryx's and Savathun's other sister. She hasn't been mentioned very much lately. But the son and daughters of Zivu Arath are taken and are in the weak, I guess, medium curse mission you do. Is it the Oracle Engine? In the Dreaming, in the Dreaming City. Not the Oracle Engine, no. The, um, yeah, it actually is the Oracle Engine one. Yep. Sorry, it's the Observatory. But yes, that mission. And, um... Now, who do you think took Sivor Rath's children? Was it Savathun? Most likely it was Savathun. Because Savathun's really the only one who can take right now. No one else can. Unless mm. Savathun shared this with Sivor Rath, and they're in some sort of alliance... And that would be even more terrifying than if they were just working by themselves. Very interesting. Now, do you think that Savathun learned to take from Toland? Mm-mm. No. She learned to take from Kyora, the blade transform. Okay. Because, well, not necessarily. How? What she did is she basically made Kyora understand Hive paracausality through basically brute force. And from there, because Kyora is now, I guess, because the, the, the main reason why Kyora could not um, simulate Oryx before, like when, she, when Kyora first met Oryx back in his throne is he was paracausal. Vex cannot understand paracausality. If they do, we lose. That's why actually um, the, that's actually what was going on in the story of Curse of Osiris is the Vex were starting because um, in the cutscene before how they could see um, Segura's light how Panoptes could and if Panoptes could see it he could probably understand it so if they 
that's what he that's what Panoptes was trying to do is he was going to understand the light and if they can understand it they can test it and do however many simulations they want and and then if they can simulate it we lose yeah but i think this uh passage makes sense that you know he was just talking about what you were referring to it says query 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 is the key the mind simulates oryx and thereby masters the power to take but of course Quiria is no power unto itself. Yes, because Curia serves Savathun. So, mm -hmm. because Cura is a very special case, and she, and I guess it, is a vex, understands paracausality and can simulate Oryx. The fact that she can simulate Oryx and is working for Savathun, that's terrifying. So that means, hypothetically, if we face Savathun, we're going to have to go through Cura who can simulate Oryx. So, let me just put this in perspective. We're going to have to kill Oryx again. It's like Mega Man. Kill Kiora, and then we're going to kill Savathu. It's like Mega Man when you have to fight the oh robot masters. Oh my god, we're all going to die. And if she can simulate Oryx, how many Oryx. times can she do that? Can she simulate him over and over again? That's the... I don't, I don't even know. Like, that's... That's the thing that's so... <laughs> That's why when I said earlier we are, there is no way to win. I wasn't kidding. Like Cura is immensely powerful. Savathun is immensely powerful, especially with the curse in the Dreaming City going on. Like her plan is kind of explained in the Truth of Power, but we're gonna get that at, at the end, so I don't want to spoil it. Very but cool. yeah. And let's let's move on to the subject of the Queen's Court Ooh. and the Nine and what implications that has. Now, yeah. during a recent visit by the Queen, or rather, when we visited the Queen at the Queen's Court, she said something very, very interesting. And here's what she said. Two became four, and four called out, and so the four became eight. In this manner, conjured forth by their doubling, the sleepers did awaken. In time, the awakened spilled across the face of the world, and their number was 40,891. They drank of the sweet rain, and they ate of the fruit of the forest, and the starlight pooled as clear oil on their skin. First of their tongue was speech, and the first of their haunting weapon was the bow. Uh -huh. Now, 40,900 minus 40,891 is 9. So, it appears that 9 went missing. Mm -hmm. Could this be the 9? I f think so. Like I said, my understanding of the 9 is very limited. That's not really my... I wouldn't say expertise, but the 9 is one of my more shaky subjects. But guess is that so this Lord Tav is talking about when the Awoken first realized there's something like because Mara was the first in the distributary she was the first but she kept that a secret that she was the first from everyone else because she was the reason why they had physical forms why they were suffering why there was death why there was pain there also was good things too that came out of it but my hypothesis is that the nine stayed in that non-physical 
four. Because there were four, like you said, there were forty thousand nine hundred crew members on the on the Exodus Green, I think, is their ship that they were on. But only forty thousand eight hundred ninety-one became actual awoken that we know of. So those nine stayed in that in-between form where they're not really physical form like like us. That's my theory because the emissary that did actually go and visit Queen, miss, visit the Queen Marasov in one of the earlier weeks, she was an Awoken, and she was seeking out the Nine to figure out what happened during something called an Aphelion. An Aphelion, nobody really knows what it is. It's really bad. It leaves no survivors. Only one person has ever survived an Aphelion, and that was Shurido. But Shurido's dead now, so doesn't really do us any good. We can't just walk up to her and be like, hey, what the heck's an affiliate? <laughs> but yeah. They are, they leave no survivors and emissary at the time she wasn't the emissary then she was trying to figure out what happened to her, her lover who had died on an affiliate ship. So she went and seeked out, she took some queen's foil and se- seeked out the nine and the nine said they would help her but you know on one condition you have to become the emissary. So who are the em- emissaries? Well, the, she's the emissary for the Nine. So if you ever play... I didn't really play Trials of the Nine very much, but she's kind of the liaison between the Nine and people, I guess, in the physical realm. Because the emissary talks to Mara, and the emissary also tests us through Trials of the Nine to see if we are worthy of stuff, I guess. And we know about the the queen that she's an awoken and she's mixed between light and darkness mm-hmm. there's a balance between good and evil a balance and neutrality and mm-hmm. something interesting about the queen's court and that event that took place that week during the dreaming city challenge Marasov stated that she wanted to be treated separately from the traveler mm-hmm why do you think that is? Well, while that she does is of light and dark, like all Awoken are, um, she definitely wants to be separate from the Traveler because, she, in her opinion, the Traveler attracts evil. And she's not wrong. Because of the Traveler, we've had the Red War, we've had the Collapse, we've had the Triangle Spaceships. We've had lots of bad things happen, but we have also had good things come as well, with the Golden Age and now the sec- the Age of Triumph that happened with our Guardian being resurrected, and then the, uh, with what's happening now, I guess, with the Traveler now being awake and whatnot. Marasov also stated that she expected an audience after the Traveler is chosen, and she goes on to say that it would be an insult if our guardian stayed for the next guest. Mm-hmm. Do we have any idea who this guest could be? Ooh. My thought was possibly... It's like, it wouldn't make sense that she was talking with an agent of Savathun. That wouldn't make sense. Because she's the Savath... Agent Savathun is working directly against what Marasov is trying to do. So that kind of rules out that, I think. My pa thought was that 
my thought originally when I had heard that was that it was talking about the Exo Stranger. Because the Exo Stranger wasn't really too keen about us. Like, she was willing to work with us. But. I don't think she was. Yeah, Elsie Bray or the Exo Stranger. But. With the newest segment that had happened in her last visit where she talks about a friend she will come to know and she then directly quotes the exo stranger i'm not entirely sure who she was referring to maybe i mean my thought i mean possibly but she did already meet with the emissary before so i'm not entirely sure like there could be another player on the field that we don't know about but like i said i'm not entirely sure who she was referring to but they just don't like us so that could i mean that definitely limits our options i know a couple of weeks ago the queen had some very interesting words with our ghost the curse has been going on for quite some time now and guardians and and everyone's getting restless especially our ghosts oh yeah and there were some really interesting words that were said by the ghost and some responses that were thrown back by marasov and here's what the ghost says marasov we need answers and your people need help they are suffering while you're busy with exactly what i don't know because you don't tell us You never say anything. Nothing plain, nothing useful. Guess you're too wrapped up with your own affairs to be a good queen. Broadcasting to Queen Mara. We continue to fight the curse in absence of your leadership. And then Petra Vange goes on to say, In her absence, no, she is with us. There are moments where I can feel her presence at the edge of my mind. You may not be able to feel it, but I am sure she checks on you as well. And finally, Marasov broke her silence and said the following. So you know how to rule, do you? You understand the sacrifices I make. You speak of good queens and absent rulers, little light. So you must know these things. Tell me what I have done wrong. Speak. What should I do when my every action is in a service of a future that benefits you? You do not know me or the things I do. Do not dare to presume. You have not earned the right. Get out of my sight. So, now, regarding Marasov and our ghost, why do you think our ghost took it upon himself to just challenge Marasov in the way that he did and I believe it was the first time we ever saw our ghost challenge anyone like the queen yeah like like when I when I heard the ghost like be like um being kind of snarky and restless I'm like ghost ghost buddy buddy shh be quiet you don't know what you're saying you're just gonna make her mad and then she's probably gonna kill us or something like I think he our ghost took it upon ourselves because we're the only people who would none of the awoken would ever dare to challenge the queen like they they almost worship her in a sense because of how powerful she is so like i think the ghost is like we're the only ones who can 
in that kind of sense. That's probably why the ghost was like kind of laying it out and being extremely restless because all of the awoken, they're like, we have faith in the queen. We know everything will work out. And the ghost is just like, uh, how do you know? Are you sure? Like our ghost and guardian, we don't have that same relationship that the awoken do to the queen. Yeah, and I think that the queen's absence is also making it very difficult for the ghost to understand, you know, what is she doing to make the situation better? So yes. with the ghost saying, what have you been doing while your people are suffering? Where are you at? He's yeah. almost, you know, crying out for her help, for her yes. assistance out of desperation almost. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly because... We, the ghost is like we don't really under know what she's doing while she's not here. It's and I understand. I mean, our ghost has a point because um because she's not really being a leader. She kind of in like the first and it's the first time we visit her. The ghost is like, hey, you're here now. Now you can help us. And she's like, no, Petra's venge is my wrath. She'll lead basically so she's not necessarily giving the queenship to mar to petra but she's definitely giving the like leadership-esque position to petra while she goes off fighting some other battle that we don't really know about yeah it almost feels like petra is representing marisov in her mm -hmm. absence that's exactly right and that's actually the perfect segue to the story behind Petra Vange, mm -hmm. because she became the queen, the queen's wrath in a very interesting faction. She actually did some pretty bad things accidentally, not in her own, not willingly, but she killed nine guardians, three groups of mm -hmm. guardians. Is that correct? Yeah. And then ever since she killed those guardians, she became shunned by mm -hmm. the Awoken and Marasov. And she had to almost beg to be accepted back in and she had to prove herself in order to be accepted back into their society. And there was actually a letter that she wrote as a form of a plea to the Queen Marasov. Mm -hmm. Would you like to read that part? Do you want me to read it? I can read sure. it. Sure. All right. My letter is a plea, my lady. A simple one. Please let me come home. It has been years now since my appointment as your emissary. Once I was proud to call myself a corsair in your service. My sisters and I were the sharp edge of your will, cutting across the stars in protection of the reef. It was your service that kept me from the sorrow after Amethyst was raised. The loss of my sisters, my whole life as our station burned, it took something from me but your will by your will it was given back to me promoting me to the corsairs allowing me to strike back at the wolves letting my fury find purchase in defense in support and in glorious battle i know as i'm sure you did that without my focus my heart would have grown toxic it was my pride in my position that sustained me through the hilladin campaign that led me to victory in the battle against velenix the forgotten cal the last hope for the unchained wolves. Now I know that it was my willful pride that brought me low. 
My lady, I offer again the only explanation I can. I did not know the Guardians would act as they did. All I had ever known were the ways of the Awoken. Yeah, after the um, that incident where she killed those Guardians, she was, like you said, demoted and was the emissary to us, basically. Kind yeah, of I, remember, I remember Queen's yep. Wrath for three weeks. It was that three makes- weeks in D1. I was so upset. I remember because I, I wanted to get the cloak, not the cloak, the chest piece for my warlock. Because my warlock awoken. I then the queen. I'm like, that's perfect. I remember. I forgot that Tuesday reset was a thing. You know, mm-hmm. I was still very new in a destiny. I was still like, what's a reset? I forgot that reset was on Tuesday and that she would be leaving. And I had literally all I needed to do was get one bounty, and I'd be like, I'll get it. I needed one bounty, and then I would have had it. And then it was the end of the event, and she went away, and I never got the chest piece, and I cried. <laughs> I wanted all the weapons, and I wanted the supremacy more than anything, Ugh. like because I love sniping. And that sniper, that archetype, was a high impact sniper. I I wanted it, like it was it yes. was like a it was the trophy weapon for that like event. I felt like, and just it was the perfect weapon for me. But I couldn't get it because of the just limited time aspect of that. But it's funny how. Bungie basically took an event that was from the lore that she was basically like an emissary of the tower. She was banished to be from her, you know, Awoken Homeland to be in our tower, basically, to serve as an emissary. And you remember when she was there, she was like, her face was all like covered up. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And then we couldn't... Yeah, you couldn't tell who she was or anything, and she, that almost, looking at back at that, that was like, almost like a punishment for her. Right. She had to like be face to face with what she killed. Also, I'm really sorry. I didn't actually finish that segment of it. I didn't realize there was more to the uh, Petrovenge Grimoire card. Hmm. I didn't know there was either. <laughs> There's a a few more paragraphs. Do you want me to? Read it, and then you can... Sure. Okay. The wolves were entrenched in that valley. The the approaches were blocked, all sight lines covered. An assault on their position was madness. We would have spent precious, awoken lives for nothing. I saw the guardians and knew they were on the move, but I assumed they saw the situation as we did, that it was a folly to call in the crows. Prince Aldrin's fighter wing did a masterful job. The blast was pinpoint precise. The blast tore apart the wolves and the guardians and their ghosts. Three strike team of guardians gone in an instant on my order. The city's anger, the speaker's condemnation, all earned, all fair. But it has been years since the Reef Wars. The city, these people, they are not like us. They do not understand their place in the world. And they do not listen when I speak it. Please allow me to return home to my people to serve you once again. So, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she basically goes on to describe exactly how it happened. You know? Yeah. She was trying to take out the wolves. And the only move she had was to act on that at that very moment. Yeah, she had like she didn't want to waste more awoken lives, and she didn't really understand the guardians. Nope, even today, like there's even current law where people are like, we don't really understand what the heck these guardians are doing. They're kind of crazy. 
Like, we're unpredictable. We're paracausal. We don't follow the laws of reality. Yeah, and it was just, it was swift. She understood that it was fair that she she served that sentence, but then it had been many years, and she was just pleading for to be able to return to her, her to people, return home. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's it's it's a really uh, it's really interesting how they were able to spin that forward and everything. Now, it's also important to note that. Petra Vange, she lost pretty much everything. She lost her family. She lost her home. Mm-hmm. She, her siblings were killed. So yeah. she didn't have a whole lot to live for besides seeking revenge for her fallen family and for yeah. what was taken away from her. So she wanted to find that greater purpose. And I feel as if she found it through Marasov and serving mm-hmm. her to almost pay tribute to her family yeah definitely she wanted revenge and the queen used it her revenge as a tool to carve against the rest of the wolves now why do you think that marasov ultimately forgave petra and appointed her the highest position the queen's wrath that's a pretty high position for her to get back yeah that is definitely true. There is... Maybe she just knew of her gauge. She was, like, she was perfect in war. And when, when she went to war, she was very knowledgeable. Things like that. Just She knew of her expertise. Yes, that is very true. Just I think it's cool that we do have the knife trick emote. That is pretty funny. So if you're a hunter... Or... I love that emote. I use that on my hunter. It seems fitting. It's, the honored, it um, the honored, I believe it's the honored one that tells her how she was able, she how, you know, she was appointed back to, you know, being the wrath, being. Ah yes, yes, honored. Thank you. That's what I was yeah. looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Reading this jogged my memory, because the reason Marasov chose Petra was because Petra saw would always have hope even after she left because she didn't Mara didn't tell anyone about her plan I mean she told the the Techians but that's really it she didn't tell Olga she didn't tell Petra she didn't tell she sort of told Eris to lead the Guardians that's really it she didn't like she didn't tell Petra that's the main thing is that she was definitely she had hope that was the reason why i do want to move on to the next segment it is about Aldrin, the forsaken prince and i think we all remember it was about a month and a half ago something very shocking happened in the dreamland city mm-hmm. when we went to go and see Marasov because Marasov was missing the chest was missing she was in a rush and you're presented with a vision and you lean closer you witness a dead body laying on a round table and you see a ghost floating around it suddenly the body becomes awoken and who is it? it's none other than Aldrin Sov 
Mm-hmm. He was brought back to life by a ghost by the name of Pulled Pork. <laughs> and this ghost was sent by the traveler to find a guardian worthy, worthy of harboring the light as a weapon. And Aldrin Sov is brought to life, and he is the chosen one. Now it's important to note, when you become resurrected, you lose your memory of all the past. You don't recall who you are. You do not remember what you have done in the past. You do not remember the relationships that you had. This is what happened. Yeah. I always I thought that was really interesting that and almost kind of ironic a little bit that, you know, in Forsaken we go through this all this effort to hunt down the barons to give Kay justice only to and kill eventually kill Aldrin at the entrance to the Dreaming City, only to have him be resurrected as a guardian and not remember anything. What a plot twist, huh? I know. I think Mm. it's interesting. Well, he was kind of like a, you know, he was manipulated by He was very much manipulated by Riven. So he he did not know, he really didn't... Know what he was It was against his own will. He was doing things against his will, basically. So, understand why you felt sorry for him, because I kind of did too once I realized like what was happening and everything to him. Well, you also have to remember that before Forsaken came out, there was a pretty big trailer that was released by Bungie showing Aldrin Saab as a demon, as, a, as an individual who killed our favorite character in the game. Yes. But you always knew there had to be a reason behind it, though. There had to be something. Something, yeah. That, you know, because... We knew it was something, but I don't think that we had any idea that he was being manipulated from the very beginning. It's not something that really came to light, in my opinion, until probably close to that last mission where he's trying to save his sister. And you could see that he's just trying to find her and be closer with her. And it almost makes you feel like everything that he's done up until this point was for what he believed to be the greater good. Definitely, yeah. And I think that's where you felt bad for him. And it, it, I remember we had a conversation about whether it was right or wrong to kill him at that point when we had that critical moment where he's pretty much on his, on his knees and with a gun to his face. That split-second decision had to be made. Do we pity him? Do we forgive him for his sins, or do we yeah, see, the thing is, him justice? We don't... We know what was going on, but our guardian didn't know what was going on, and, uh, and obviously Petra didn't know what was going on, because if she had known, things would have been different, probably. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Well, but, but it's very interesting, because... Petra Vange is probably the closest person to Marasov that I can think of. And yet Marasov, yes. she it almost felt like she knew what was going on. She, she really she, couldn't do anything to stop she it. She couldn't so. do anything. So um, yeah. I, I just find it interesting how Petra was so against saving Aldrin and not killing him. But at the same time, she was so close to Mara Sov. So wouldn't Mara go to her and say, hey, she something's wrong? 
She couldn't. They, she had no way to interact with her because of the uh, not. She couldn't talk to her until we had that. She had that offering, and we were the ones that could get the offering for her to be able to communicate with the queen. Mm -hmm. So she couldn't. Yeah. So, can we really forgive Aldrin? Would you forgive him if he came back? I mean, he is back. I I forgive him. I forgive he him because being... he was manipulated against his exactly. own will. Exactly. Exactly. He was being manipulated by Savathun and Riven to play into their completely game. complete mind control. Like basically, you know? yeah. Because yeah. that's what that's what Ahamkars do. They prey on your desires. Your and he wanted his sister back more than anything. Yeah. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to bring her back. And he thought this would bring her back, but it was a. Uh... Yeah, that's that's the whole thing with the with the wish dragons, the bargain that has to be made, and mm -hmm. you know. Now, with with his return, how do you think Marasov will react to her brother? Will she treat him as her sibling, knowing that he uh... remembers nothing? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like she definitely knew. About what happens to what happens to old Jim. and she doesn't really like them that much. So I'm not. I feel like I mean she doesn't really care about them, so I feel like she won't really care about Aldrin. Even though yes, Aldrin is still Aldrin, but he doesn't have any of his memories. So it's not like, in all intents and purposes, her brother is dead. The man that is resurrected is not Aldrin. Do you think she will treat him accordingly? Mm, basically, I think she'll just treat him as another guardian and not. Because you have to remember, there was a, um, a lore entry that from Awoken of the Reef. It's called Savin. And this, basically the premise of this lore entry is about Mara meeting a Awoken who had died on Earth. He went with the group that of the Awoken that went to assist the last city. And he died. And he got resurrected as a guardian. And Mara basically, I wouldn't say interrogated him, but asked him, like, do you remember your wives? Do you remember your child? Do you remember your, like, your passion? And he was like, no, I don't know anything that you're talking about. My loyalty is to the ghost, is to my ghost and the traveler and the last city. Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. And she was kind of upset and she was like really annoyed. The last um, paragraph of this lore entry is... Um, the last two paragraphs. By the end of her acquaintance with Savin, Mar had decided she did not like this traveler and what it did to people. Yet, she also decided that she felt a strange kinship and sympathy for it. This cornered, desperate god making infinite sacrifices out of its people. Perhaps the earth would be better off if the traveler vanished or was destroyed, she thought. Even in the reef, she felt she were living next to a torch held up in a dark wilderness calling out across the galaxy to hungry things with too many eyes so she 
she doesn't really approve of guardians, but she tolerates them for their power that they have. Because mm -hmm. without the guardians, you cannot. Um, she would have never been able to kill Oryx. I think Marasov, of all people, realizes the importance of having individuals from the light and individuals from the darkness. And she can understand how mm -hmm. there is a balance in the world that is needed by having both light and dark. Yes. How do you guys think the Scorn will react to Aldrin Ooh. returning? Because, I mean, they were pretty much his... His... friends they were his allies they work together so when he comes back how will they react the fanatic called honest... him father <laughs> yeah the fanatic called him father because the fanatic um Aldrin saved the fanatic because the fanatic was or fickerel he was yeah. the only um he got shot in the chest with a golden gun by Cade and you know he was on Mars, and he was, like, basically dying. And Aldrin thought it was so sad, and he was like, I wish I could help him. Don't don't make wishes. That's, yeah. Was the big Riven mistake. heard that. Yeah, Riven's like, oh, do I hear a wish? I'm gonna grant that. But, oh, wait. He, now, uh, instead of him being, like, you know, regular Fallen, he's saved all right. But, you know, he's scored now. He's like this undead half alive because and, because aldrin was corrupted and his tears like i guess yeah his tears that he cried while uh fickerel was dying healed mm -hmm. um fickerel but it, it infected him with dark ether yes it infected him with dark ether and then they both went to the house of kings and fickerel docked the kell of kings and docking means chopping off their lower arms mm -hmm. that's what they do to drakes they dock them. So he docked the Kell of Kings, killed basically the entire House of Kings. House of Kings is gone. They're all dead. And then Fickrel resurrected them, and they became the first of the Scorn. And then every Fallen that they would fight, they would just resurrect them, and oh, look, more to my army. Which, that's kind of scary. And they And repeated resurrections is what happens... To what turns scorn into screeps. And they took the strongest ones and turned them into the barons, probably, right? And like well, the yeah, the, the barons them. were all, um, the barons, they were all, um, friends of Fickrel, because they were like a gang, like a biker gang, so to speak. Yeah. And all of them except for Fickrel got caught. Oh. Okay. And they were put in the prison of elders. Right, Fickrel was the right. only one who escaped, but he was basically. Left for dead because Kate shot him in the chest with the golden gun. He's like, that guy is dead. We're good. Oh yeah, that's right. Petra and Kate were trying to round up like the barons, the, yeah, the barons. to clean up the reef because they were like, we need to fix this. Because after the the blast with orcs and it decimated the reef and everything. Yeah, know, and then that... dealing there was the Taken War and then the rise of Iron, so we weren't really focused on the reef, and then the Red War. The Red we War. We weren't really yeah. focused on the reef, so that gave the time for the reef to kind of fall into chaos because the queen wasn't really there to like you know give or make there be order yeah so oh, yeah, it kind of devolved into chaos so Cade after the red war was all like hey Petra let's go fix this yeah and then we so talked they... with Spider and Spider you know lists us to 
go in there and take out the barons to Because he up. doesn't want them messing around with his stuff. Because he's like, I have my nice little chunk of the Tangled Shore. I like it this way. Could you deal with them, please? Yeah. <laughs> They're annoying. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Makes sense. Yeah. And let's not forget Blake Commander Zavala. Ooh. I mean, with imagine Aldrin being in the tower. Oh lord! How, how would how would that? And let's not forget the hunters there, because yes. the hunter vanguard was killed, and he needs to be replaced. And the vanguard there clearly states that the person who kills you takes all of your possessions, takes your well, job. That's not. Yes, that. Cade's hunter, everyone's hunter dare is a little bit different. Like, Andal's Brasks had to do with kill, with killing Tanix. And since, um, since Andal Brask died, um, Cade became the next vanguard. But Cade did not kill Andal Brask, because Andal Brask and Cade, and Shiro, or, yeah, Shiro, Shiro 6, I believe. No, not Shiro 6. Shiro 3. Shiro 4. Okay. 4. It's 4. Shiro 4. Yeah. Yeah. Andal Brask, Cade 6, and Shiro 4, they were a, a like, gang. A, a little fire team. And they would, like, you know, work together and be a cool hunter gang and all that kind of stuff. But then Andal Brask became the hunter vanguard and kind of let them think- do their thing. I think and if he then, shows up at the tower, Ikora Ray is going to be really pissed. <laughs> yes, Ikora was the one out of Zavala. She's like, vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. And he's like, no, no. And she's like, already holding invective. And she's like, shotgun. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, Kate and her, Kate and Ikora, they were friends. And she was pretty hurt by his, I mean, don't get me wrong, Zavala, is was not as close with Cade, but he still like respected him. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very interesting how it plays out. Is once they actually see Aldrin with a ghost, they're going to be oh, yeah. like. I mean, I feel like they'll at first be really, really angry because you know it's his face that they that it's. But then they have to remember that when you're a guardian, you can't be held responsible for what happened in your past life. Yeah. That's what my thing is, is it's like you can't really, especially with Aldrin. I mean, yes, he did all these bad things. But, but again, we know now, we now know that he was, when we talked to the queen, queen knew what was going on. He was being manipulated. and he was Yeah, in... the queen knew. I mean, we know now. So we could, yeah. if, if we choose to speak, be like, hold up. Yeah. Yeah, there's... <laughs> but yes, I think... Or the meets the eye here. <laughs> yeah, so, there definitely is a lot to unpack. So you think that both Zavala and Ikora will learn to accept... I Aldrin? think Ikora will be a lot less forgiving. Like, I when think they get the full story, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she'll eventually, slowly, and painfully come to terms with it, but it'll probably take her a lot longer because she was a lot closer with Cade. Yeah. See, I almost very secretly want for Zavala to react the worse about Aldrin. I want for him to try to seek revenge because of how he reacted during Forsaken 
in having more of an interest in protecting the city rather than seeking revenge and getting going after Aldrin. Well, yeah. Ever since the events of the Red, a lot of my clanmates and friends, they don't like the characterization of Savala and how he's been going. They think he's like not a very good leader and everything else. And you have to remember that we went from Age of Triumph, where we were like killing Crota and Oryx and this almost a second golden age in our grasp to the Red War. The Red War, losing countless guardians, losing the city, losing our light, like everything. That's Zavala didn't know. He didn't prepare. And then after that, he went to Titan, which was a bad idea. And he lost even more guardians because of his choice, his decision. He has a mass, he got a massive confidence. Like his confidence was shattered. Utterly, completely shattered because of this. Yeah, because they're like... You were the leader. You were supposed to protect the city. Like, what good are guardians if they don't protect the city? Like, they're like, without our ghosts, are we even guardians? Without the exactly. Light? He's yeah. all like... He's having an identity. He's having a basically a midlife crisis. He's like, what are... If we can't protect the city, then what good are, are we? And then after the Red War, he becomes almost hyper-focused on protecting the city. He's like, I gotta protect the city. I gotta prove that he's a worthy leader, and that's why he's so... That's why he forbids us to go, but he's like, if you must go, you're not gonna have the support of the Vanguard. He's like, yeah, you can go, but but you're not gonna have the support of the Vanguard. Mm -hmm. So that's ultimately why he's so closed off and kind of hyper-focused about the city, because... He's like, I need to prove that I'm a capable again, mm. because that like shook that the Red War shook him to the to his core. Yeah. Very so you have to like remember that with Zavala. I mean, that kind of came to play in um, Warmind a little bit when he was all like not very trusting of Rasputin because he's like, is he really on our side? Is he not? Like. He just wants to show everyone that Guardians are still capable. Like after He wants Red to defend the city. Exactly. He wants to, like, defend the city. Like, the city is his home. Yeah. When do you guys think that we'll actually see Aldrin in the tower? Or will we see him in the tower? I think eventually. probably... Event, definitely eventually. But I think... I wouldn't say soon, but... Definitely before the Triangle spaceships come. Yeah. Because sure, Ido had a vision of Mara fighting the Triangle spaceships with Aldrin by her side. So I think Aldrin is gonna eventually find out about his past, maybe. Because even with even in um, Warmind again, you're. It's stated that guardians aren't really supposed to delve into their past. Mm-hmm. But Elsie, I mean Elsie, uh, Anna, Anna, Bray Anna Bray must have recorded a lot of well, things. Well, yeah, she yeah. definitely found out a lot about her past. I mean, and then Cade, with his journal, knows about a bit about his past. And then now with Aldrin, since he died, so I mean, he was died and then resurrected with not that much time. Past, because if you do look at that cutscene, 
the Dreaming City is 100% pristine. That's before we slayed Riven is when he got resurrected. Because the curse only took effect after we killed Riven. Because it stays staring at that watchtower a little too long to just be like, oh, you're in the Dreaming City. Yeah. Do you guys... So that takes place before the curse, so do you, yeah. Do you see this happening before the fall or after the fall? Mm, I think probably around fall. I think maybe. Fall. Yeah. Because assuming that because if you remember they did Bungie did say that um that end cutscene of vanilla D one when it's the big explosion, that is a roadmap for Destiny. And it goes, you know, Mercury, Curse of Osiris, Mars, Warmind, the Reef, Forsaken, Saturn, Dreadnought, Dreadnought, yep, Dreadnought, yeah. So we're having a Dreadnought expansion, and then Triangle Spacer. So I think we're gonna have. My hope is that there's gonna be Year Three of D2, and then D3, and D3 will be Triangle Spaceships, and we're all gonna die. Yeah, if it's Dreadnought, it's probably gonna be something with Sabathun. And yeah, that's probably because I think because Sabathun has definitely been hinted at a lot in Forsaken. Similar to how um, Oryx was hinted at a lot in Dark Below. I yeah. think Sabathun is going to be pulling, throwing all the punches very soon. And I am terrified. Utterly terrified. Because we are going to lose. Yeah, because the Dreadnought's just floating out there in space. The Dreadnought right is just sitting there. I mean, unless. Um, Crota's sisters have it and are like I mean that could be interesting if Crota's sisters Yeah. Because they're still alive. I mean, they should still be along along with the rest of Oryx's court because we didn't kill them in their ascendant realm. We they came to Oryx's ascendant realm, like the um and kill and we killed them like when we summoned them through the the different runes in doing the Court of Oryx activity itself. We're summoning them. They're coming to us. We're not going into their throne world and killing them. That's the only way to perma kill someone, in, in if they have a throne world, is killing them in their throne world. That's how we killed Crota. That's how we killed Oryx. Do you guys think that the storyline went well with how everything kind of came to be with Aldrin coming back to life as a hunter or as a I guardian? Think, I think it's it's good because it gives him a chance at redemption. Even though, yes, he doesn't know about it, know all of the terrible things it did, he, I feel like he can redeem himself by becoming a, by being a guardian. I agree. I agree. I think it was a brilliant twist brilliant to bring him back decision. to life. It's a character that we hated so much in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, shots fired, and he's, he's back. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Shadow, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I, I like the I like the plot twist. I like the angle that they could take this because they could take the story in a lot of different directions. That's kind of like how I feel. Definitely, definitely. Uh -huh. So let's let's move on to the second to last segment, uh, the final visit by the Queen Marsov. Yes, the last um, line that we ever hear from Mara. When there is too much darkness in the universe, light must cast it away. And when there is too much light, darkness must drown it out. This truth is our burden. This is what it is to be awoken. I dreamt of a friend I will come to have. She will tell me. A side should always be taken, even if it's the wrong side. I think I should like her. The next act is about to begin, 
I do not know when I will return. Fear nothing and bow to no one. We will meet again one day. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty... Like, when she said all of this, I literally was like, wait, you're leaving? Don't leave. It was sad. It was a little sad, but... Where do you guys think Mara went? I think she went to go either get all of her pieces in position for the upcoming war that is battle battle plans battle plans i think that's what she's doing either that because remember she did meet with the emissary prior to this she's going to meet with the exo stranger because that quote a side should always be taken even if it's the wrong side that is a direct quote from elsie bray or the exo stranger very interesting so do you think she went to see elsie bray the exo stranger i think yeah she probably went to go visit the nine and the end elsie bray and whoever else she is allied with and being like all right it's game time let's get all the pieces into play sounds like we're gonna be fighting this on many fronts definitely i feel like we're gonna have there's gonna be a multi-front battle because you have to remember some of the fallen are starting are on our side like spider there's mythorax he was the a fallen in the world quest for titan if you remember there was at the very end there was a knight and a fallen captain duking it out and if you kill the knight the captain will bow to you say something in elixni and then leave he doesn't kill you he leaves and then there is the Lord Tab of Lord of Wolves and Queen Breaker talk about Mithrax and how he's he's working with a fire team of guardians and he kind of he thinks that we should work together, the fallen and the humanity, to protect the traveler. So we have some of the fallen on our side. We have Callus and the Loyalists the Emperor's loyalists on our side. We have the Awoken on our side. We have Mara somewhat. I mean, she's definitely not against us. And then she's... It's Mara, the Emissary, and the Nine, and then Elsie Bray as a team working together. So we have a lot on our side. Like, we're getting all of the cards on the table, but I'm not sure if this is going to be enough, honestly. Cause... <clears throat> and this is one fight the Vanguard will approve because it's Savathun. It's... Yeah, it's not only Savathun. It's Savathun, Zivu Wrath, the Triangle Spaceships, which are the things, the very things that Wait, caused that the first us. collapse. Yeah. Yes. So all, so we just need to like lay all of our cards down and hope for the best. I guess it's honestly quite terrifying. But yeah. Is it possible that her saying, even if it's the wrong side, could mean that she went to see somebody who would not be such a good person? Maybe even Savathun? That, actually, now that I think about it, she could be talking about Savathun. I mean, a side should always be taken, even if it's the wrong side. She could be talking about Savathun, possibly. And I'll explain why. We talk about truth to power. Because, uh, perfect segue. Let's talk about that. The reason why the wrong choice may possibly be Savathun is because in this week's 
Truth to Power entry. Da, 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 da. Truth to Power. It's called Thank You. And so, even in um, the books, Book of Sorrows, Savathun wasn't really too keen about the whole worms infesting them and we have to constantly kill stuff and gain tribute. She wasn't too keen about all this. She was like, did we make the right choice, Oryx? And she, what she wants to do is she wants to gather up enough tribute and, not, and get enough power. She wants to change how the hive, the hive economy of tribute, basically. So basically, this is what she says. I'm going to redefine my entire existence. I'm going to move from an existential economy based on the accumulation of violence to an existential economy based on the accumulation of secrets and tribute of failing to understand me. I shall name this tribute of failing to understand Imbaru, and it, for it shall be inform, formless as the mist. And then she goes on to explain... In the beginning, Yule said to me, Savathun, may you never abandon cunning. If you do, your worm shall devour you. Cunning is the use of thought to predict the function of a system. Therefore, whenever a being should attempt to understand me and fail, has my cunning not defeated theirs? Whenever a falsehood is repeated about me, have I not displayed cunning? I shall gather tribute from every false prediction, misguided theory, fearful rumor, and ominous superstition which derives from the thought of me. And in time, I shall pin my quiddity upon these rumors. I shall discorporate so that I exist wherever my schemes and conspiracies also exist. And so I will be immortal as long as anyone seeks to understand me and fails. Wow. We are going to die. Basically, because how the, the, the main thing what she's doing is she has to gain enough tribute. How she's doing that is it's twofold. She has Cura, Blade Transform, loop the Dreaming City, and loop the Dreaming City. Every time ev the Hive, everything they kill in that Dreaming City, they can just keep killing it over and over and over. That helps a little bit. That's a little bit. Her main goal is to get into the distributary, the Awoken Homeland. That's where she's trying to go. Because in that is a pocket dimension where time is slower, similar to being at the edge of a black hole. The closer you are to a black hole, the slower time is. And she, what she tried doing before, she tried putting an ascendant hive in orbit of a black hole while its spawn gathered the tribute of a thousand years. But the worm wasn't satisfied and it saw through the trick and it devoured that ascendant hive so basically she wanted she needs to find a pocket dimension where time passes quickly or a world where time is slow but basically because that's what the distributary is a thousand years in the distributary is only a hundred or so years for us because that's what happened when the awoken came to the distributary they grew their society over the course of like two thousand a few thousand years and became hyper advanced and then Mara and the and her group of Awoken left and in, and it had only been a few hundred years since the collapse. So Savathun and that's what Julin Karu is doing. Julin Karu is in Mara's throne world trying to figure out how to get to the to the distributary. 
and that's why Kira loops the Dreaming City every time Kira fails to give her more time Wow. to keep looking and looking and looking and if Julian Karu finds the distributary and gives Savathun access to it it's over we're done we lose because Savathun will be infinitely powerful like we won't even be able to comprehend how powerful she is but the thing is she wants to move away from using the from the darkness and the worms and become failing to understand instead of killing and killing and killing and killing so there is a possibility she might there's a very i don't i'm not really i'm kind of kind of spitballing here she might ally with us to stop the darkness because i feel like the the worm gods wouldn't really approve i mean the worm gods do actually approve because the last line of that verse is er the ever hungry heard this and was pleased so the worm gods think it's a great idea so now that i think about it maybe not but she is trying to distance herself from the worm gods a bit but yeah i think it's very funny that later in this verse it kind of pokes fun at the player even and this is what it says you saw me in the stone laid on your plotting table people thought the heiress's stone was savathun in the shining eyes of the admiral at her dying helm you hunted me between the lines of your texts wherever there was space to fit me in you there you found me you created me and gave me a part of your thoughts and in presenting those thoughts to others around campfires and networks of your little world you expanded that space here at the center i lie to you the truth you have everything you need to know it but i will give you a clue as the duelist gives warning before she draws the answer you seek to the dreaming city is simple not complex that's really powerful. so yeah it's definitely poking fun at the players and how we're like trying to figure out how to break this curse of the dreaming city because the problem is we can't just up and abandon the dreaming city because that means julian Carr will find the distributary and give infinite power to sabathu but if we keep fighting what's the point it's like we're, it's like we're bashing our head against the brick wall we're not we're not doing anything nothing we do can fix it so what would you say is the ultimate answer to breaking the curse uh -huh. <laughs> i think well it was actually in one of the previous lores they kind of outright stated but a lot of people thought it was a joke so if you look at the act choose react lore entry there it's a choose-your-own-adventure thing. He decrypts a battle trophy for you, and it gives several tokens, a rare-quality fusion rifle, a shader, and a letter. The letter reads, Achieve light level 999 and defeat Julian Caro in a one-person fire team to unlock the true ending of the Dreaming City. That's it. So, my hypothesis... I mean, but then again, you have to remember that Truth to Power is a very unreliable narrator. Because, first, it says it's Eris talking, or it's Medusa. And then it said it's, it's Eris talking. And then there's Savathun in our mixed and Karu. So it's like, who is actually the narrator here? Is it Savathun trying to trick us? Is it actually Eris trying to warn us? Is it Kyura trying to, like, become free from Savathun's clutches? Nobody knows. So, if we, if light level 999 is achievable by the end 
of Destiny 2. I'm going to go into Shattered Throne and kill Dulunkaru solo just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that'll be very interesting. Yes. And... I mean, it is definitely doable. It says in a one-person fire team, so you have to do it solo. But I'm going to try and do it solo without dying. Just icing on the cake. We're going to get to light level, I want to say 750 with penumbra right it's going to increase yeah, penumbra by 50 will give us to 650 there is going to be another solstice of heroes which will probably get us to 800 and then assuming there is, a, assuming there is a year three that'll give us to going from regular to forsaken that bumped us up what like 300 power level didn't we go from oh, we went from 400 to 600 200 200 so that would then take us 800 to, to a thousand. To, to a thousand. Or even so then there you go. Yeah, you can just get 999. So probably the beginning of year th- year three is probably when we'll finally beat the curse, which is insane. Unless mm-hmm. that is a trick. That could be a trick. I don't know. It's probably a trick. <laughs> it's probably a trick or just like a jest at us because like, you know, we're never going to get this that high of power. But if there comes a point where we happen to have light level 999 and shattered throne is active i'm I'm gonna hop in there i'm gonna just you know if it's wrong oh well we didn't beat the curse but if we do that's crazy now the other uh, assumption is that by time may rolls around we're gonna have this this whole book filled out yes we will have this done by may 14th yeah. is when we will get the final entry in truth to power and that's then, pretty exciting I'm, yes. I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Yes, it is definitely very exciting. I am looking forward to seeing. I mean, because I've read all of Truth to Power, but it's, I'm very excited to see the rest of the Destiny's community's reaction to the rest of the book. Yeah, I mean, they did say that Dream and City would change the more we were there and everything. The longer. Yes. Like the curse went on. And Definitely, like that, and the so. dialogue does change. Even even now, you're getting new dialogue, which is crazy. But I only do the Dreaming City stuff now on my warlock, because my warlock's awoken, and my warlock is the only one who cares at this point. Yeah. And you also get special dialogue options from doing all of the stuff as a awoken versus an exo or a human. Like, they call you Cousin. Cousin. Yeah, I'm called Cousin yeah. all the time because I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in one of the um, the Oracle Engine mission, when you're talking to Sadia, one of the voice lines you can get, I didn't get it, and it made me really sad, is some of the Corsairs recognize your guardian, but it's taboo to talk about it. So they just stare at you and, and are really sad. And that was only, like, a few weeks ago. The fact that we're still getting new additions to this story is crazy. So that reminds me, I still need to do Shattered Throne one more time and not get the ship. You can totally tell I'm not salty. That's the only thing I need for Curse Breaker is the ship. And you can only get that from Shattered Throne. It only drops from Shattered Throne, and I've done it twice already, and I haven't gotten it. If I don't get it this time, I'm just... I'm not giving up. Don't give up. You got I'm this. not giving up. I'm not. It's just... I wish they would do a similar thing to what they did with the escalation protocol weapons every time you don't get it you get an increased chance the next time don't wish too loud otherwise ribbon might hear you Uh uh-oh (laughs) uh-oh no but yeah i feel like there needs to be 
I wouldn't say so. I would say some sort of RNG protection, I guess. Either tie the cosmetics directly to the triumphs. So, you know, doing Shattered Throne solo, you get the ship. Completing all of the time trials gives you the ghost. And killing, there are these Taken guys in all three missions of the story missions. They're called, it's called Osmonium. I would say killing all three, all of each one of those, it gives you the Sparrow. So then yeah. it's obtainable. Because doing the Ascendant Challenge week after week after week, it gets very tiring. I mean, luckily I got, I got the Ghost, so I'm fine. But it's just frustrating. And it's also frustrating for people like, my best friend Glowstick, who still hasn't gotten 1k, and he's done the raid 58 times now? Wow, wow. It's like, I don't think that's very fair. Sorry to, like, step on a little soapbox and rant a little bit, but I think they should tie some things to Triumph, similarly to how the exotic Sparrow, exotic Taken Sparrow, is tied to killing all of the Taken eggs with Wishender. I think they should do more like that for cosmetics and exotics. Like, in my mind, I think it should be guaranteed you get the raid exotic for doing a Petra's run or, like, a diamond. I think that's fair, because that is difficult. Like, I think that earns enough merit. Like, you did this entire thing without anyone dying, without messing up at all. You should be rewarded for your hard work besides just marking off, checking a box, Rivensbane or Blacksmith. Yeah, and I still haven't gotten my Thousand Voices either. I seriously ran, oh, yeah. raid, i ran it at least 30 times now still yeah nothing, so yeah i get that i, I can relate that. i just i feel like there's a limit i think too much. i think a lot of people in the community are unhappy with how you know you get your seals by half of it is Luck. pretty much rng because yeah. you have to get all of the different items that you can Dumps. acquire and if you don't get them all you can't get it even if you did everything else even if you went flawless during the raid it does not matter unless you acquire every, you have all every drop yeah you don't get it so yeah, yeah I, I don't think that's really really fair there needs and especially for me because i really want the like the physical pins they have on the bungee website i'm running out of time to do my petra's run i mean at least for me a petra's run is i just sit down and do it but for other people who are less fortunate and like like glow stick who still doesn't have 1k or like you you don't have 1k it's like, I know Bungie has said that they're looking into, like, extending or f and fixing the RNG-related stuff for the titles. I just would like some form of, like, answer? Yeah. Like, if they could at least explain what they're doing. Yeah, at the very least, it would be nice to get some kind of a roadmap for what what they're thinking, yeah. what they're or planning. At minim or at, at minimum just extend the date and then explain it so then they have more time because it's the deadline to get all of the pins except for chronicler and unbroken of course those are the only ones that they extended those already because i might have angrily multiple times tweeted that dmg and cosmo and deej and i even made a chart a little table that showed the date for every truth what Every Tuesday, we would get the Truth to Power entry. And then I drew a big, fat red line <laughs> saying, uh, this is the cutoff for um, Chronicler, the pin. But we still have, you know, three more entries to go. That's not going to work. That's literally impossible to get. And that's not fair. Yeah. 
and enough, enough, enough people like caught wind of that and noticed that they fixed it. But I just think all of the pins should just be pushed back to August until they come up with some sort of solution for an RNG protection. Because that's, that's not fair, because I know some people who have did the raid over 200 times and still don't have 1K. It's ridiculous. I know the feeling. <laughs> so, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they address these things because, I mean, the community does want some type of answers. And the people who are going to get these seals and going to get these medallions are hardcore gamers, people who Destiny, love Destiny, yeah. people who don't just treat the game as a casual thing. The people who are yeah, chasing definitely. after these seals are the hardcore players who treat the game as their hobby. So I think they're going to have to say something about it. I'm hoping in the next couple weeks we get some clarity. I'm, I'm hoping too, especially... I'm hoping maybe after um, Season of the Drifter starts, maybe they'll say something because that'll... Because Season of the Drifter starts not next week, but the week after. Week after yeah. March, March 5th is that day. And with that, I think, honestly, that week in the TWAB, they had better say something because at that point, it's less than a month before the pins you can't get the pins anymore yeah so i feel like they need to say something then because that's not fair i know life isn't fair mm -hmm. but you know with with this there there are solutions right there in front of us like very viable solutions you could tie them to triumphs you could do how exactly how they have it with ep basically there are many solutions to this we just have to Sit and wait for Bungie to tell us what the heck their plan is. Because they, they know it's a problem. Definitely. They just, it's, I, I think they're trying to figure out a way to not... Because for people who already have it, they're like, Oh, now I feel like what I did was less. But they just got lucky. That's that they just got lucky enough to get it. And that's that's just... I just feel like the seals shouldn't be as RNG heavy. That's it. That's all. I'll get off my little soapbox mm. now. Yeah. I think we covered so many things today. And oh, yeah. The Dark Angel 98, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your expertise on lore and the Dreaming City. We greatly appreciate you being here today, and Aww, thank it's, you. it's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute honor having you on the show. So thank you so much for being yeah. here. No problem. I enjoyed my time here. It was super great. If you ever want to have another episode and talk about lore, definitely have to bring you back on sometime soon. Oh, that'll be sure. great. Like after we learn about what happens in Penumbra and Season of the Drifter, that would be pretty interesting because we will get new lore books with those, just like how we got. Um, the Black Armory pages, um, the Book of Unmaking, and the Tale of a Rene from the a Renegade one. The writers of Bungie are incredible. The yeah, they are phenomenal. How they weave all this lore in and out and into the game, and you know now it's more focused, and we can actually read a lot of these things in the game. And yeah. It's, I think it's what we always wanted, too, that we couldn't get in Destiny 1. The writing team is knocking it out of the park. Definitely. Like.
you know, it's like... And for, you know, for all the people who have said that Destiny does not have a good story, well, this really proves otherwise. I think Destiny yeah, actually has the coolest, the most interesting story of any game that I've ever played. Awesome. It's, it's complicated. It's... It has a lot of twists, a lot of interpretations, and so many different moving pieces that come together in the most perfect way. And that's what I really love about Destiny. It's not only a great shooter, it's not only a place where we can all just gather and play together to battle the most challenging activities, but it's also a game that has a story that is incredible, with so much depth. And I'm very excited about its future. I'm really excited about the next expansion with Season of the Drifter. I'm really excited about Penumbra, and I'm very excited about the possibilities of what will come this fall with Destiny. So, Guardians, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Ooh, I am on Twitter with the same handle, the Dark Angel 98 I also live stream on Twitch pretty regularly like every day except for today of course because you know i'm here yeah i'm on twitch under the same handle the dark angel 98 i'm super close to affiliate which is kind of exciting so yeah please follow the dark angel 98 and help her become affiliate she is less than 15 away so let's make it happen let's help her out and uh, definitely check her out at the dark angel 98 on twitter and on twitch Mm -hmm. and of course my partner in crime my co-host shadow price where can we learn more about you follow me on twitter at shadow price 79 and when i stream on twitch you can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash i am shadow price yeah again thanks a lot coming on dark angel 98 you know your your knowledge of the lore is like it's it's amazing you know it's not this is not easy the lore Sometimes it has many twists and turns and, you know, things like that. But the fact that you, your understanding of it is, is quite, quite exceptional. Yes. And thank you so much. And uh, I cannot wait for many more conversations about Destiny and about war. And I can't wait to see you guys out there. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories.
These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86, host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. <laughs>